Question for you, Holman. Yeah. Will this show be any better than the best show of 2020? Yes. Okay, good. Because we actually took a week <laughs> off. I'm not feeling good about it. Uh, we are rusty. It's clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the conversation in the uh, on the drive over here, mm-hmm. our we, green room. Uh, yes, the car. Your JL is the green room. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the the problem is that uh, we both took time off and then forgot how to do this job. Yeah, I'm not feeling great about it. I, we're gonna. Was it weird for you to walk in here into the spider webs? Well, the spiders were looking at us, going, "What are you guys doing in here?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. It's our, um, our domain. First of all, I just want to thank our listeners because they actually allowed us to have a week off, and uh, they were not cool with it. No, they were. It was they were pretty good. They're like, hey, I had a couple DMs that were like, hey, uh, hey Holman, um, is there going to be a show today? Because uh, my 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 phone hasn't told me there was one yet. I'm like, no, nah, man, we took a took a week off. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, cool. So listen, I just wanted to give everybody That's a funny. breather. The one that I got was, yo, bro, you got COVID. Uh, no no no, just took some time off just took a week off guys just uh, wanted you to be able to catch up uh with some episodes so you could start fresh with us all caught up that's it and uh and we're back so i don't know about you i feel refreshed but i also feel incredibly rusty you're not refreshed or you you don't look refreshed and neither do i i mean we look tired and haggard but i worked a lot we are we (laughs) we we not on the show that thing is we why did we work so much over the break yeah i did not take a uh a holiday and ended up working the entire time just not on the truck show podcast i did not even take christmas eve or christmas day off i mean i was technically not at the office but i was still talking to customers yeah, I was, and I think close that just to that leads bad. to yeah, leads to some some burnout. There's not me bitching and moaning like I love what I do. Yeah, but it's just I need a little bit of a break, and I didn't get one. Well, so here's what I'm saying to you: You the need listeners. to take a midweek trip with me to go find some stuff that fell out of the sky in the desert. Done, done. Midweek, done. Okay, I'm serious. Done. All right, happy to do it. Like on a Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. I'm in. Okay, we'll make it happen. I've got a pl- I've got a plan. Now, when you say stuff that fell out of the sky, you're talking, oh, I know what you're referring to. Mm. Should we go do an off-road adventure and record it? Nope. Really? Because I would be working. The whole point was we just spoke about not working. But I I think that this is, remember the the off-road episode that we did? Listen, we don't have to deal with it right now. I thought that episode was pretty good. We don't have to worry about it right now. Did you not like that episode? No, that was a great episode. We're one, two minutes into this year, and we're already arguing about what shows we should do. Let's get this show out of the way. All right. This is the Truck Show Podcast. We've got Billy Creech on now. Billy Creech, speaking of going off-road, you yes. wanted to explain who Billy Creech is? Uh, Billy Creech is a friend of mine who uh, was- New, new friend, right? A newer friend, yeah. Okay. Who was responsible for uh, the retrace of the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail, which is destined to be one of the premier overlanding and off-road trails in North America. And we're going to have him on to talk about that. It, he worked with the original person, Dennis Casebeer, who not only laid out the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail, uh, which is something I talked about doing recently, but also is the basically the father of the Mojave Road. So anybody who's in the southwestern United States uh, who's into off-roading or overlanding, you probably have heard of the Mojave Road because it's one of the most popular trails out here. And uh, we're going to have him on and, and talk about some history and some off-roading. And he's also got kind of a weird rig, too. So, He's got a weird rig? Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that. But first, got to thank our friends over at Nissan with the mm-hmm. 2021 Nissan Titan lineup. If you're in the market for a half-ton or half-ton truck plus, not only does the Nissan Titan come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, but also the most power, 400 horsepower and 413 pound-feet of torque. 
from that 5.6 liter endurance V8. Oh, I love the sound of that engine. Have we talked about the sound lately? Oh. Hold on. You know, I'm going to pause here. Just li- listen, Holman. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. And also the most standard tech and safety features in this class, all starting at $36,550. And hey, it can even tow up to 11,040 pounds. So if you're in the market for a pickup, head on over to NissanUSA.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, homie. You forgot to uh, talk about the line of Envy vans. Oh, the commercial vans? Yes. How about the Nissan Frontier? Uh, oh, what? Yes. The redesigned Armada? We, yeah, we're talking about the new Frontier this year, right? Yeah. In uh, yeah, It's going to be a big year for Nissan, so okay. stick with uh, us. Embargo. Stick with us here at the Truck Show Podcast, and you will be among the first to hear all about the things that Nissan has going on this year. All right, we also have to thank our friends over at Decked. Oh, yes, and you saw the rig sitting in front of my house yeah, today with a Decked system. So Which am... deck system? The sliding the drawers, drawers or the one that we can finally talk about? Oh, yeah, literally, right. I believe it'll be next episode. Now, the sliding drawer system. Okay. The one that made them popular. All right. Right? So, no, no, no. We are the ones that are making them popular, <laughs> oh, as we will reveal shortly uh, in the next uh, week or two. Okay. Well, listen, I have been enjoying it. So, right now, it's particularly stuffed with tie downs and some uh-huh. other stuff. I, I can't really say why, <laughs> but I will say that it is so freaking handy. And I didn't know that my kids didn't know that it was in there. So my boy, uh, I took him down to the skate park uh, earlier today, and he goes in. He throws the skateboard in the on you know on top of the deck system. And I'm like, no, just put it inside. He goes inside what? I go. It's he was thinking I was talking about inside the bed. I'm talking yeah. about inside the deck system. So I put the tailgate down. I, I slide it out, and his mouth was the gate. He's like. What is this? What does this do? And, and then like, you pulled out your skateboard and you shredded in front of him and put him to shame. I and then did you, have my board. And then you tossed up the uh, tailgate to lock it and you winked and you drove away and yes. you forgot him. Oh, sure. That's what happened. It's better than my story. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the deck system is just, it's, it's incredible. It's so durable. I mean, you can store all your stuff inside of it, these locking drawers, but you can also put 2,000 pounds on top. They've got a ton of good videos. If you want to learn more about the deck system, go to decked.com. All right, and last but not least, our friends over at AutoZone. So if you're in the market for uh, some OE replacement brake products, whether you're talking about the Duralast brake pads, Duralast gold brake pads, or Duralast elite brake pads, you can match them up with Duralast rotors or Duralast gold rotors. All of Duralast parts are designed to mirror OE physical characteristics and be direct bolt-ons. Head over to DuralastParts.com. But wait, I want to pick them up in person and see them and touch them and hold them. How do I do that? Head on down to your neighborhood AutoZone. <laughs> you think my, was that believable? Not uh, really. I mean, I think my read was definitely better. I think at the uh, end of uh, this year, uh, Duralast is going to sponsor me. Just my part of the podcast. Oh, really? Just yeah, half? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm the one that just bought Duralast parts recently. Uh, that just proves my point. I'm a better salesperson than you. <laughs> All right, whatever you say. Let's start the show. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. What the truck, cause truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Yeah, it is. 2021, new year! Uh, we gotta, we gotta Dude, two shake more the months? rust off. My God. Two more months, it's uh, three years of the podcast. It's what? Three years of this podcast. One more time. Three years. Can you believe that? We've been meeting once a week, almost without uh, fail, except for last week. Uh, three years. Straight. Once no, I'm having a rough time believing that. Uh, 
It doesn't feel like three years. I got to be honest. No, I, you know, and I, I feel like we just did this, our first one with uh, uh, Steve, Steve Brown, Brown from Alpine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at the K Rock Studios in LA. And yeah, that was a long time ago. Holy mackerel. Yeah. And you and I had a rough time talking for 45 minutes. We were panic stricken. Yeah. What are we going to say for 45 minutes? Yeah, what, how are we going to do this? This is going to be the world's shortest, dumbest podcast. And now, if we do anything less than, you know, an hour and 45, it's everybody's still, well, like, well, now mad. it's just the longest, dumbest podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. So if you guys. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Before you launch into Billy Creech, I no, know you I wanted... wasn't going to talk about Billy Creech. Oh. No, I was going to ask our audience if they like the longer ones that are around two hours, which is kind of where we ended up the last six months. Or if they like it around an hour and a half, like where should we be aiming for 21? I want your feedback. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com because we want to listen to uh, your needs and, and, and provide a solution for you. <laughs> it's not believable. Well, it's, it's not believable because you and I constantly will just go off the rails. I think and- what happened is that we did the 45-minute show way back in the day, and then we grew quickly to like an hour and a half, and then we did some three-hour shows. <laughs> Which was crazy. And then we thought, there's no way anyone's going to listen to this. Yeah, and then they did. And then you guys Lots of you did. did. You did. And then, but we're not sure where the sweet spot is. Like, yeah. is three hours just too much? I feel like Well, it's three too much. hours is way too long. No, the sweet spot is somewhere between 90 minutes mm-hmm. and 120 minutes. Yeah. And last year, I mean, listen, this is what's awesome about our audience. We grew over 15% last year and it was COVID. People stopped commuting, all that. We had a big growth year. And so for me, it's like- Wow, you guys still found the time to to listen to the show for all these minutes and hours, and it's just and they're not even in mind. their cars driving. Right. Here's what I want to know. I want to know that if you weren't commuting, how are you listening to the show? Were you doing it on your bike rides and walks? Were you doing it at your office desk at home? Like, huh? I'm I'm actually very curious to figure out like. What's the listener? I mean, now that guys have been listening to this thing for almost three years, I guess we're part of their routine, right? Well, where and when do you listen? Simple as that. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, me, it's Sunday nights before I put it up. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Usually. And, and then, it's uh, me three times editing yeah, it. Yeah, me uh, panic stricken saying, no, I found this. You didn't hear this. Yeah. <laughs> so how it goes down, you guys don't know this. Here's how, here's how it happens. Yeah. We'll record this show right now and then- yeah. Typically on a Tuesday night. Yeah, and then I'll take it home and I'll edit it over the course of the week and then yeah. I'll send the link to Holman and he'll Late listen Friday to it. Friday night or early Saturday morning, typically. Yeah. He'll listen to it and then he'll go, up. Oh, you forgot this, uh, this word. You forgot to bleep yeah. it, you know, or whatever. And uh, then I go back and I make an edit. We do a couple of times and then it goes up Sunday night at midnight. Yep. So you guys get a first thing Monday morning. That's the plan anyway. Yeah. And it's a pain in the ass, I got to <laughs> be honest. We've stuck to it pretty good though. Yeah, we have. I mean, we have. We're it's at- so funny that, listen, li- this is a little inside baseball. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, Gary, uh, Gary Bell, started uh, the old fashioned car audio podcast, which I love. Does he have scratchy sound effects in the background to make it sound like an old, like, um, uh, what is the? No, he starts it with a Sinatra song, and I go, "You're gonna get busted for that, oh, dude. Yeah. You gotta cut Ooh. that. You don't want to." Yeah. Anyway, so I, he's like, he called me. He goes, "What should I know about podcasting?" And I said, "Well, podcasting is not that hard. It's consistency. Are you gonna do it every week?" Yeah. And so he's like, "No, no, we can do it." I'm, I'm so he went four weeks. They it was that four, it? They did four shows, oh. and I'm like, I'm loving it because I'm a car audio geek. But yeah. it's it's a totally different. It's not like ours. Ours is kind of wacky sound effects. All that. They don't have any of that. But if you're into car audio, Would you that's call ours wacky. I, I don't feel know. Like it's wacky, ours but... is a uh, well-oiled piece of professionalism. <laughs> I think that's nah, correct. I, I'm going to prove it to you right now. Okay. We're going to give uh, my friend Billy Creech a call and get into our first interview. Wait, wait. Can we do something before Billy Creech? Uh, Can really quick here. I'm not prepared for this. I, I want to say wasn't that, on our notes. I know it's not. Okay. So, 
I have a C20 update. Yeah, I don't care. Okay, then let's get into Billy Creech. <laughs> I really, unless you're telling me that you turned the key on mine and it fired up, I really don't care about your C20. It's not fair. I have to. People do care a little bit. I didn't say people don't care. I said I don't care. Okay, well. Do it on your own time on at uh, LBC Lightning on your Instagram. <laughs> okay. I think that there's a moratorium on your C20 until uh-huh. my truck uh, fires up. I don't think that's fair. Why? I just don't. You? I think people listened to us buy the truck. It happened in real time on this show. Yeah. Yes, it did. Oh, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. So now that they're they have some vested in, they're vested in it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they're interested in where is the truck? Did it just disappear? Is Lightning going to drive a Mini Cooper forever? Like what's going on? You were talking about repainting the Mini Cooper. So the answer to that is probably no. That yes. was between you and me. Uh huh. I wasn't talking about that on the air. No, I know. But I'm answering the question. Uh, yeah, I am going to keep driving <laughs> it for a while. Anyway, but that's so. I wanted to let people know. Yeah. That. You are progressing on the C20. Congratulations. Now let's get into our guest. Okay. I'm I'm not saying you can't talk about it. I'm just saying that you're going to go, look at me. I went and got a full chassis, and I'm going to go do these things, and this guy's doing this, and I'm making this happen. Meanwhile, mine is sitting rotting in a corner. You you don't have the commitments that were promised, and so you should finish those, and then you can go hog wild on the show with reckless abandon with anything that you want to talk about on yours. That's all I'm saying. I think that's fair. I am trying to do both at the same time. Okay. Okay. So then let's talk about the progress on mine, and then you can talk about the progress on yours. They're both in motion right now. I mean, that's good to hear. Yeah? Because I I, I don't know this. They're both in motion. All right. There are SolidWorks files for your radiator core support, Mm -hmm. for your intercooler. Mm -hmm. There are mock-ups of your boost tubes. Okay. That's all in progress. All right. Well, then when that gets further along and you can talk about it, that will be your incentive to also be able to talk about the C20. Can we talk to Billy Creech now? Because we got a pretty cool guest standing by. All right. Dial him up. Sorry, guys. I wanted to tell you about a video series that's launching today, but I won't. No, go ahead and dial Billy. <laughs> hey, man. Is this uh, Mr. Billy Creech? It's Lightning at Home and Truck Show Podcast. It is. How are you? We are fantastic. How's it going? Oh, it's going, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hold on one second because we got to uh, play your intro. I'm so. worried, though. It sounds like he's, he's moving some stuff around no, in no. his garage. He's, he sounds very busy. Does mo- he have time for us? He's literally moving his life from <laughs> California to Idaho right now. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, don't move. We have a quick intro. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a, a story. story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? So a little background on our guest, Billy Creech, who uh, I came to know, actually found him, uh, read some articles he wrote, and uh, went chasing his dream and uh, followed in his footsteps. Well, you became a Billy Creech fan. Yes. Kind of whether you liked it or not. You, you were following everything, his writings and his trail. Well, so uh, long story short, we've talked about it on the uh, podcast before. I recently completed about a third or so of the uh, Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail. And you're a wimp. And we, yeah, we've told <laughs> well, only have eight people in, uh, or eight vehicles in tow. And uh, so this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. We talked about me finding the books on eBay and uh, Dennis Casebeer and its relationship to the Mojave Road and all that stuff. And that Billy's the guy that got Dennis's blessing on the 30th anniversary to do a retrace and work with the BLM to open up the trail. And the trail today, after Billy's work, is somewhere around uh, 700 miles. And so 
what I wanted to do was have him come on because not only is he a great historian, uh, an enthusiast, loves off-roading, he wheels something super weird, um, he's a drag racer, and uh, he has an MBA from Cornell. So already he's like 10 times as smart as we are. Are we qualified to speak with him? No, no, no. We're going to just seed the show over to him. Okay. And then when he runs out of breath, then we'll, uh, we'll okay, carry got on. It. First off, I think we owe Billy a huge... That's enough? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that was good. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had such a great intro as that, Billy. Uh, no, never. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm uh, humbled. What are you drinking right now? Uh, gin and tonic. See, all of our oh, guests like to drink, man. Any, good any man. proper exploration drink. <laughs> you know, let's. I don't think we've had, we've had mezcal on the show before. We've had beer. Yep. We've had bourbon. We've had whiskey. I feel like we've had an old-fashioned. Maybe an old-fashioned, but never a gin and tonic. So uh, we'll add you uh, as the uh, the first to have a gin and tonic on the Truck now, Show what, Podcast. What, what's the gin of choice? Uh, this one is uh, Boodles from Britain. Oh, interesting. From Boodles. All okay. right. Do you like the Bombay, or is that too, uh, is that too low rent? <laughs> uh, no, Bombay was a big bottle that got finished, so I didn't have to pack it in a box to move to <laughs> I love the honesty. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, where do we start? Well, we start with the trail, and then we get to how he travels the trail, right? Oh, all right. Well, let's yeah, let's get through. Let's get to the trail. Him getting permission to go do this retrace, and then the adventures on the trail. Because I think he went through like eight avalanches on it, or something like that. So what? No, you know, I think we've yeah. even skipped a, skipped too far ahead. I, we need to go all the way back in time here. When he was a uh, just a boy at just, Cornell, just a young lad, yeah, at Cornell, <laughs> dreaming of the desert landscape. No, how, how, Billy? Like, how did you end up in in uh, you know uh, in the desert, being so fond of that arid environment and and just traveling and exploring? Well, so I'm from Riverside, right? So the the Mojave is the dominant backyard exploration ground, and. Um, so you're the so, one guy from Riverside that actually went to Cornell. The one guy. The only right? guy. Right. The guy from the 909, keeping it real, That's right? right. He had his uh, tall black socks and his flat bill walking around. There. I have a feeling that wasn't him. No. No? No. no okay. Not at all. No. no it was, uh, you know, flip-flops. The backstory is, so my girlfriend, Michelle, back when we got together originally, she was a senior in high school back in uh, 87, ironically, when the AMHC was being created. Who knew? And her family, they camped. That's what they did. My, my dad was a cop and a drag racer. So that's what we did. And so I grew up pretty much in Orange County Raceway. Um, we camped at Salton Sea and things like that because my, my grandpa helped build that when it was something before it died. Wait, 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 wait. What did he do? Don't, don't gloss over that. He built the community that ended well, up he was, like the he flats? Was just, I mean, he was, he was in construction there, okay. right? So helped build, you know, the, the, the harbors and the marinas and all that stuff. And, and so we used to camp there and we had a little boat that looked like an orca called the sump sucker that we would go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my, you know, outdoor adventures beyond, you know, camp outs with the Cub Scouts and, and the white Indian guides. But in 87, when Michelle and I were together, her family, they, they actually camped. Her dad had a 1973 International Scout, and they had a little pop-up trailer, and, and they went to Death Valley all the time. So I got my first trip to Death Valley, and it was just – it was amazing. All the, the quirky and strange geological formations that are just un, unworldly out there. And that just kind of always stuck. And then, you know, we kind of went our separate ways after a couple of years, and, and – I was drag racing again, went back to school, doing some other things, rescue diving, stuff like that. And, you know, fast forward 20 By years. By the way, do you see how he just glossed over rescue diving? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, 
diving is is the desert just covered with water right so you're you're swimming over what is essentially the desert when you're driving through a desert you're essentially driving what used to be underwater it's the same thing you just one you can breathe the other one you need a help little help breathing i mean that seems like a pretty uh, significant distinction yeah (laughs) and both you can die in and now you know why all of us in the desert have snorkels on our uh, expedition race (laughs) you know i never connected that dot makes total sense just in case so it just you know when we got back together it was you know the first the first thing that we did was you know back to a pop-up trailer and then that kind of morphed to we always hike and things like that and i started getting irritated with always base camping in a parking lot right at a campground and or you know near a parking lot and going out for a day and having to spend half the day covering the terrain that i already covered once and and then um we did a little trip out to death valley and and we had gone out to the racetrack and at this point my avalanche was stock and right that's 33 miles each way of some of the worst washboard in north america and it you know after we got our fillings back in our head and 15 hours later, because of only being able to go five or six miles an hour um, to keep control of the truck, everybody really liked it. So it was like, okay, let's let's invest some money in the in the truck to get it a little more capable. And one day I was at a bookstore at Barnes and Noble, and I happened to see this book on the shelf called the Overland Journal. Opened it up and and said, you know, what is that? Opened it up and and uh, Chris Collar was the senior editor. I read his letter from the editor, and it just kind of hooked me just kind of stuck with me. And at that point I was like, all in, let's go. So the mod started. Um, I have a, as I said, a Chevy avalanche, which nobody has. So you can't buy anything for it when it comes to this kind of stuff. <laughs> but fortunately I have a friend who is a fabricator and suspension guy. And, and we've been friends. We grew up four doors apart since we were four years old. And, uh, you know, Sean knows part of this, but he borrowed my bike when we were 10 and it got stolen. So he owes me. So I called him <laughs> said, you know, time to pay up. So, Did you uh, ever throw rocks at him? <laughs> no, that's a different guy. Oh, he's, not, he's not Robbie Joyner. No, that's a radio show that I used to work at. <laughs> Sorry. With one of those. <laughs> so wait a minute, all these years later, 20, 30 some odd years later, you call that favor. And he's yeah. like, really? With interest. You're yep. still harboring that Everybody. hate for me. With all those interest. Years? Yeah. It's love, but yeah, you owe me. Cause that bike is worth a lot of money today. <laughs> yeah. Wait, well, hold on a second. Was this like a GT or a power light or uh, an elf? Was there a banana seat? A Haro? What was it? it? It is actually a 1977 Schwinn Scrambler. Oh, that is a good call. Yes, exactly. You know, whoever stole it, I'll still recognize the bike if I see it. So watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's kind of how it all started. And but what, then I started just forming can, relationships. Can you tell me what is it? Now, you, you briefly touched on how you fell in love with the uh, the desert, but specifically Death Valley. I, I want to talk to because a lot of people accuse this show of being too California pompous. We do a lot of talking about California. There's places all over the country that are just absolutely gorgeous and have their own, you know, geological uh, landscapes that are they're fascinating. But what is it about? You've since been everywhere, all over the country, I'm sure, and you keep coming back to this desert. Why? First off, it's so big. Right. You, you've got Utah has a lot of great stuff. Montana has great stuff. Everybody has a lot of great stuff. But when you look at the sheer size of the desert southwest of the U.S., right, when you the Sonora Desert, the Mojave Desert, Desert, I mean, the whole thing, it is massive. I mean, the Mojave Desert 
rivals the Atacama is bigger than the Namib desert in Africa that people rave about. And oh my God, this, this stark desert, it's so huge. It's so this. Is it really? Yeah. The Mojave desert's bigger. (laughs) You know, this, this EMHT trail is you're not covering the entire desert. You're doing, you're doing the East Mojave heritage trail and it's 733 miles long and you're not crossing the same place twice. I mean, you're basically doing a giant loop through a couple of states around the Mojave National Preserve, and it is this trail is destined to be one of the premier trails, overlanding trails in the U.S. period. So I, I had a question, and, I, and you know, we talked about this thing where Home and I are talking about Southern California, but a lot of our listeners live elsewhere, and right. we're kind of hyping this thing up. Is this, you know, working so closely with the groups that are out there, do you find people coming in from Montana, from Tennessee, from Maryland, et cetera, to, yeah. to do this trail? Oh, I'm asking him, yeah, not you. Not woman. yet. Well, not yet. This trail is just will. about to get restarted, but to come to the Mojave, for sure, it's no different than us leaving to go wheel in Utah and Moab and places right. like that. Well, the the Mojave Road, right, which, which runs through there, and the EMHT runs on, what, 15, 20 miles of it, is one of the top 10 overlanding routes in the world. People come from all over the world to do the Mojave Road, and that's a 140-mile pretty much straight-line A to B route. And you know, a lot of people don't realize this. Dennis Casebeer actually meant for the Mojave Road to be a hiking trail. He hiked it twice, and then he realized that nobody's dumb enough to do this. So <laughs> how four-wheel drives. <laughs> and so that's what he did. Really... You know, you can take, you know, if you're taking your time and you're enjoying the desert, you're you're really getting into the history of it. Um, you know, the 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 cavalry forts, the the, the mail routes, the floor of the fauna, the 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 just the history, the homesteading history. A lot of people don't know this, but the Mojave Desert, some of the original homestead homesteaders were um black. Nobody talks about that. That's yeah. a huge piece of cultural history out there that nobody knows about. Um, and the fact that the just, Mojave Road was the original, basically, wagon road into California. That's what where the mail came yeah. from, Phoenix, into Los Angeles through that route. Yeah. And you can wheel it today. I'd, well, I didn't right. know that you were talking about, uh, a couple episodes ago, after you had taken the trip, that they had these outposts along the way yeah. to protect the that route, the, yeah. the, the, the guys on horses from the Native Americans yep. who were out to kill them or steal their stuff, whatever. And then they had to have these big troughs for the horses to drink. And so they had to find the right. local well. And, and the thing that's amazing, story. the yep. Mo- Mojave Road has forts every, you know, what is it, 20 miles or so uh, or springs. But they're at the springs. It just happens that that's about as much as far as a horse can go in a day. Right. And they just happen to have found the next one that that's that far west. And so it's a string of these amazing you know, sites that that when you yeah. string them together is, is like Billy said, a, a 140 mile route from the Colorado River into Barstow. So if you if you if you even research a little bit of the history when you do that route or any of these routes, because they're they're all history rich. Just the Mojave Road, if you do just a little bit of the history, when you stop at Marl Springs, because that was the spring that's between the longest stretch of that water. Every single settler and wagon trail, wagon train that took that route had to stop there. Everybody stopped there and drank. So you just can sit and sit there and just think of the people that went through there 
and and the things that happened. It's, it's just it's oh, the amount of people that were shot and killed over because, a piece of silver, or how many people who you know had dysentery, just like the Oregon Trail. Yeah, <laughs> but, tens of, but tens of millions of people, right? Tens of millions of people drive to either Flagstaff or to Vegas on the fifteen or the forty never thinking twice about that piece of dirt that's between the two yeah nobody has any all idea. of the history that's actually there well it's it's amazing too because when you go there it's so remote because it's within the boundaries of the mojave national preserve that you don't really see civilization except for maybe a, a cattle guard here or a windmill there or an old you know uh, corral or something like that otherwise you're uh, for all intents and purposes in the middle of nowhere in california and so people don't realize that, again, going back to your point, how many people who settled in California took that route, the history, the footsteps, the animals, the, 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 the wars, the battles, the challenges, I mean, all of that stuff lives there. And these were, talk about us being a bunch of soft kitten sweater wearing snowflakes. I mean, nobody had air conditioning in their you know, ox drawn wagon. You know, like some dude in his forerunner. Yeah, we didn't have a 12-inch screen. No. You know, with serious satellite <laughs> right. radio and Spotify. Right, right. Right. Yeah, yeah and, and that's, you know, the the geology and the terrain varies so much. And, and and that's going back to your question a little bit ago about, you know, what what's the draw of Death Valley? You can be at the lowest point in North America, 283 feet below sea level, and – 30 miles later, you're at one of the highest points in, in the continental U.S. at Mount Whitney. And just in that short period of time, people don't realize, they, they hear Death Valley and they think, wow, it's going to be super low, super hot, super sandy. They don't realize that you, Death Valley is actually made up of several valleys. There's Death Valley, Owens, Panamint, Saline. Right? Saline. There's all these valleys. Well, they're all separated by mountain ranges. So when you're exploring off-road – you're traversing mountains yep. and sand. You're you're high altitude, low altitude. You're you're off camber. You're in all these shelf roads. You're in all these different situations. Anything that you can think to put your vehicle in, you're going to be in it. And it's you know there's deep sand. There's there's pack sand. There's playa. There's all kinds of stuff. And it's in the whole Mojave Desert is that way. Um, the EMHT. You you hit pretty much every type of terrain you can imagine. And it brings in the added element of weather. Because you're so remote in the EMH in particular, a lot of that route is in washes or crossing alluvials that if you get rain somewhere, anywhere, and it flashes, there's points where you cannot get out for 40 miles. So you you really have to keep your wits about you and pay attention. It's not a route that you can slack off on. And that's one of the things that makes it appealing. It's a challenge. Yeah, it'll, it'll bite you. You have to stay aware and focused and... You really have to have a global view of the area. You can't just be in your micro, you know, um, chasm in your uh, in your four by four. You have to really know what's going on, like within 150 miles in every direction. Well, so Billy, how many people have you rescued? Like actually pulled out of there that got in too deep in the EMHT? Yeah, or in that vicinity? Well, no, because because because. I'm I'm the only one that's run the whole route since 1994. Well, it just just you know <laughs> the, the desert in general. People that have gone out there, and I'm for... going to be number two I... in spring. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the you know an, another group went out last December, and they blew a bunch of tires before they even made it to the first mailbox. So they they dipped out. Um, Sean, you guys made it farther, and you had a couple issues. 
So, and you know, well, when I did it, not I me had personally, except for when I had to right. get, you know, strapped off a rock, but uh, the group, yeah. Right. Just <laughs> so you know, I, I timed that same thing in my avalanche and I didn't get stuck. <laughs> Burn! Uh, Burn! A, clearly, clearly a wheelbase issue. Now, wait a second. We're, we're talking about covered wagons. So, covered wagons didn't have the ability to go up boulders. So, why all of a sudden are the off road trucks going up Can boulders? Can I just point out well, one thing about the covered wagons, real quick? The original rooftop tent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So the reason they weren't going over boulders is because they were going over Mojave Road, right? The MHT and Mojave Road are different. Yeah. The, MH, the, the Mojave Road is a road. Pre- it's it's a road, and 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 it is rugged, right? If you were to go from fi- the original route from Fort Paiute to the to the backside of the Paiute Mountains, where you typically connect in, that's a very rugged, twisty trail. Yeah, pretty wilderness area. The, Yes. And the wagons, you know, they're pulled by horses and, and horses can can pull things up a lot of stuff, but it really is a pretty flat route. There's not a lot of, of, of challenges to it. I mean, people nowadays will go down into into the wash where they go down the, the mogul out hill down to come up the back way to the rock cabin. But for the most part, it's, it's a flat route. Um, the EMHT is not. not it's so got much. it's got a lot more mountain ranges to it. So can we go back real quick? And uh, I know we're kind of talking around a few things: EMHT, Mojave Road. I think everybody who uh, listens to the show who's into overlanding knows the Mojave Road. But can you just back up and let's talk about Dennis for a minute and and how sure. he relates to both trails because he's really the, the the touchstone to the whole thing. Yeah. So so Dennis Casebeer um, is. I mean. A man, really, <laughs> in every sense of the world. Word. Um, back in the 50s, he was in, in the Marines, and he was stationed at 29 Palms, and he started exploring the desert. And he um, is curious by nature, which most of us are, which is why we do this. And he started doing a little bit of homework and thinking about, you know, come across stuff called this old government road, and he started finding references to it. And started wanting to do research on it and his his job later after the military led him to uh working at the naval service weapons center in norco and there he he found his job would take him to washington dc a lot so and while he was in washington dc he would spend his spare time in the library of congress researching all the history he could find on this government road and that's essentially what the Mojave Road is. The original name of it is Old Government Road. Shows up that way on, on a lot of maps. And he did all the research, put together all the history of it. And in the 70s, started laying this thing out and completed it in 1981. And Dennis put a mailbox, and he worked very, very closely with BLM on this. So, you know, really, really nice effort. And his group called the Friends of the Mojave Road, which is now kind of morphed into the Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association out in Goffs. He puts this thing together, starts popularizing it, and puts a mailbox on it so that people could sign in so that he could then go out and check the login book to see how many people are using it. When you say he was popularizing it, how? Like, this is pre-internet. Yeah, so so it's just, right, the, the off-road community, word of mouth. Um, four by four sending, clubs. Out news, sending out newsletters, four by four clubs, going to people's going to people's club meetings and doing slideshows and doing talks, you know, kind of the, the 19 early 80s equivalent of what we're doing right now. Well, how did and, and what? So it was it just pure passion or was there something in it for him? Because he's not charging admission. He doesn't own any. Yeah. Of it. Just just pure a love 
for the just sport. a drive. He's just a pure outdoorsman. Yeah, pure outdoorsman. You know, talking to him, you know, spending being fortunate enough to to forge a really good relationship with him over the last few years. The one thing that always comes across is his passion for the Mojave Desert. There literally is no one else with his level of knowledge. He is the definitive historian for the Mojave Desert, period, end of story, bar none. He's the guy. I mean, he's done so much stuff. We could we could spend four shows talking about just the research that he's done in that area. Um, there's pretty much nothing he doesn't know. You know, so he just started evangelizing this thing. Well, when he started checking the logbooks, he realized pretty quick that this is getting used a lot and it's the only route. This is going to cause a negative impact on the environment. And Dennis, you know, today the terms overlanding and tread lightly, right? They get patented, they get thrown around and everybody argues about what they mean. Dennis was using those terms back in the 70s and 80s. So it was legit, right? Tread lightly, do the right thing, take care of the environment, take care of the desert, explore it, respect it, and know what you're about. And you'll have an amazing time and an amazing experience. If you if you don't, then you could have a problem. There's a quote, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, June Lamert Paxton, she was one of the original Mojave uh, pioneers out there. She was a woman that came and and lived out in what is now Yucca Valley. And, you know, she, there's a quote from her. She's an author. She wrote a few books. Um, but it's, you know, enjoy the desert, respect the desert. If you don't, it will turn and rend you. And right, the, the term rend is it will tear you to pieces if you don't respect it, because it will. It's a hostile environment. And Dennis knew this. And Dennis knew that there's the chance that people could tear the desert apart by just using the same road over and over and over again, because it was A to B and it was the only path that people would take. So he and his group set out to create an alternative. Isn't that, that the, isn't it crazy though, that we have proof positive that that happens when the, with the darn monolith up there in Utah, within hours of someone spotting the, the monolith, there were already dozens and dozens and dozens of cars just parking right. On the, on the wildlife, or not on the wildlife, but on on, on the you know the 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 well, floor. Wasn't it Tate who claimed to have uh, removed it from Gambler? Did he? Was that his friends or him? I think he was. Uh, he posted something on his socials. I don't know if he was joking or not. But I I don't know. There were there yeah. were there was talk that it was a local association. Then there was some other theory that it was the local Utah government that knew that it was be it would be tied up in red tape forever, and they just went out and did something about uh, it. Yeah, that's that didn't happen. There was okay. a group that went out and did it. Okay, well, to Billy's point is that it people just are so curious and just I mean, look what they in our local but, mountains when the snow it can be good and, though. The curiosity is good if you're I think the whole point of this is is do it respectfully, right? But I don't right. think that there are a lot yeah. of people that that are urbanites that aren't respectful and they're just going to go take their Subaru Justy or whatever they've got, their daily. Really, their Subaru Justy. <laughs> I don't even that, know. That's what you came up with. I, it just yeah. And so <laughs> they're 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 going to take their Outback that they've never taken off road, but they bought it so they can commute in it, and they're going to go throw. Del, there, Del, don't get me wrong. There's, Del Taco. there's places that you can go in an Outback that you'll be fine. But but the if TV you have, commercial makes them think they no, can't. No, right. If you break if you break anything though, you're screwed. That's not what I was saying. Right. I'm just saying that's the vehicle and they're going to go out and throw a Del Taco french fry bag out the window 
and leave it right. in the desert. That's what I see all the time, and it drives us crazy. Which is, which is why right. Dennis, to what Billy's next part yeah. of the story is, why he created this other trail. Right. And, and I want to say something. You guys hit on something, right, about the curiosity. Um, I was at, a, at an event, um, Josh Gates, Expedition Unknown, right? That guy. Awesome dude. And a, a girl, a little girl, she's probably 11 years old, asked him a question. She said, what gives you the courage to go on these adventures? Right? Because he's on TV. He does all these things. And he said, curiosity. Curiosity makes me courageous because I so badly want to see what other people haven't seen or learn what other what very few people have ever seen or done that that curiosity gives me the courage to go have that adventure. That's and I thought that was one of the coolest answers ever. That's a hundred percent right. Like that, I think that is the thing. I mean, you and I have had countless conversations, and we are completely aligned in the sense that. Part of the thrill, part of the love, isn't just the history, although that's part of it, isn't just the geology, although that's part of it, isn't just the flora and fauna, again, part of it. But the overall driver is that we're going to go do something, just like you said, the 40, the 15, tens of thousands of people on a regular basis have no idea what is just miles off the freeway. They think of it as a desert wasteland. Millions and of people. We're, yeah, and we're on trails that our forefathers, our ancestors his historical figures walked or went on a wagon or horseback and did, and nobody today, comparatively, is going to take the time to do that. And here we are having the experience being missed by countless people. Only you know, with an eye shot, essentially, they have no idea right. what's out there. Well, it's kind of the same reason that I love mine exploring because everyone's got a piece of gold that they wear on a ring or earrings or whatever. They have no idea where it comes from and may not even care. But then to go in a mine, explore and take care of it, not destroy it, spray paint it or whatever, but to go in a mine where actual men, young men, lived and died. Sometimes old men. And it's, sure, sure. It's just that crazy adventure. I don't want to be trapped in a dark, cool place and die in there, but you're so curious and if you're respectful to the area, usually it won't cave in and kill you. But you hope. I hope. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, as a side. But that's, but that's part of the risk, right? Right. That's, that, that's part, of, part the, of the adrenaline. Hey, as a side note, as a side note, talking about Death Valley, um, have you met Brent Underwood up there who uh, at Cerro Gordo? Uh, I met Robert, who was the caretaker. So Brent's the one that bought the place, right? Okay. Recently. And is his YouTube channel has completely blown up uh, if you haven't followed him on YouTube you might be interested since you're in this world but he uh, he's doing I think the right thing he bought the entire town with some I think friends or investors I think it's fascinating what he's doing he's paying homage no, to I'm the area I'm familiar with Saragordo I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with Saragordo I've been up there you know more than once and, and I would take you know Robert you know hey you need water you need food he'd be like can you bring me a pizza um, <laughs> I think I think Robert know. is still the caretaker but Brent owns it now and Brent is a single guy living up there alone with 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 Robert coming up there occasionally helping out and I've seen okay. Robert on camera on these YouTube clips but He's restoring because the the American Hotel burnt down. Burned down, right? It burnt down, and yeah, and and, and so Brent is rebuilding it. Has the new plans, and he's already trenched out. I don't know where he is now, but it's it's going into construction in just uh, currently. If it doesn't well snow on him too hard, let's circle back to uh, to Dennis because I want to talk about 
how you got hooked up with Dennis. Obviously, he is sort of like the oracle of the Mojave, at least uh, in terms of the Mojave Road and EMHT and the Cultural Association, all that kind of stuff. How did Dennis and you get to a point where he trusted you and gave you his blessing to go do the retrace of the uh, Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail? Well, it, so it's interesting. So back, right, I mentioned my girlfriend's family doing camping and stuff in the desert. Her dad used to talk about this guy that he worked with that was this super desert rat. The 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 Mojave thing is is Mojave Desert is his thing, and and he bought a museum out there, bought a schoolhouse, and turned it into a museum. What well, was Dennis Case Bear? Because her dad worked at the Naval Service Weapons Center, also, and they worked together. Oh wow! So fast forward, right? You know to year and a half ago and i actually had those two talking on the phone together they hadn't talked since the the early 90s wow how awesome and, uh, is that so how did dennis trust me so i when i started doing the research on this trail a buddy of mine was out exploring in the mojave i had done some research on another trail in in the mojave desert and i came across this thing that said the emht i didn't know what it was i wrote a note on the corner of my map emht with a question mark and was looking at something else that didn't even cross my mind again. And then a buddy of mine was out exploring one day and he posted a picture and it was of this original logbook. And you could tell this thing was old and of this mailbox. And I went instantly, I fired off at him. I'm like, where is that? Where are you? And he's like, you know, I stumbled across this thing and, and I'm out here and he sends me his coordinates and I look at the mailbox and it says EMHT mailbox three. And I went EMHT on my map. So I pulled my map out and I went, this, this is something. And so that started my research. I, I researched for, I got a set of the books, kind of like you, right? I, I found them brand new set in a, still in the box from a library in Prim, Nevada. And um, picked them up and started reading and started researching and was like wow and then i started you know looking at more documentation more research started looking online and realized you know what happened to the route 94 with the desert protection act cutting it off and i called dennis i just called him I, you know i found his called the mdhca asked if they could put me in touch with him they called him he said he was willing to speak with me so i kind of told him what i was what i was doing and then um, we didn't really talk again. My my focus became mapping this thing out and trying to do it justice. And what I what I really wanted to get Dennis's blessing on was changing parts of the route to make it more appealing to a modern explorer. Dennis is very much a desert rat, right? He keep it off the pavement as much as possible. To me, I, I know how people are today, and there's so many reroutes because of wilderness land that right the the Desert Protection Act cut this trail in 13 places and impacted a, a minimum of 75 miles. And so, some of the reroutes bring you into into close proximity to things that Dennis really didn't want to go by. Right? It, today, we romanticize Route 66 and all the nostalgia of it and the cool factor of it to Dennis. That was the road he used to hitchhike on to go back home to Texas when he was on leave from the Marines. It, it holds no romanticism for him. So he didn't think to take people that they might want to go to Amboy. They might want to see the Roy sign lit up at night um, or hike Amboy crater. So he didn't, those things were not important to him. So they weren't in his route, but 
to me, I'm, I'm a younger generation, <laughs> not young, but younger than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, um, those things have a cool factor. And I also know what, what I'm trying to do with this is honor his original wish, which is to get people into other parts of the desert and spread that impact and, and reduce the, the ecosystem impact from the Mojave Road by getting people into other places and giving them options. So I wanted to make it appealing to as broad of an audience as I could. So, right, I steered the route to Amboy, to Amboy Crater, to Mitchell Caverns that you can now tour, to Hole in the Wall that's a, that's a nice little short hike, to break it up and because I will drive all day long. Michelle, she likes to hike. She doesn't like to just sit in a truck all day. So, right, I have to try to incorporate hikes into our day. So when I was doing this route, I was like, okay, there's a big segment of people like that. So let's let's try to figure out how to do this. And so bring in hikes in different parts of the, of the area to go explore things on foot. And that's kind of the whole fractal exploration concept, right, that, that I kind of champion um, with Jonathan Hansen's blessing, who is the guy who coined that phrase, which is, right, a fractal. By the way, is founder, he and his wife are the founder of the uh, Overland Expo. Oh, is that true? Yes. Yeah, Overland Expo. And he was uh, one of the founders, or should I say the original senior editor for Overland Journal. And he coined this phrase, fractal exploration, which is essentially breaking the world up into, you know, taking smaller bites of the world and examining it more closely. The best way I can put that is, you know, somebody who spends a month crossing the U.S., is going to have a different experience than somebody who spends a month just exploring the Mojave Desert. I have right? spent uh, 50 hours crossing the U.S. That was not a great experience. I've done it a few times. That would be the um, uh, the big snowflake, not the individual pieces of the snowflake, right? Right, exactly. So, so that same concept, right? It applies to something as small as a snowflake or an atom as big as a galaxy. And it holds its shape. And, and so it's the same thing with travel, right? It's an airplane versus a vehicle versus motorcycle versus bicycle versus foot. You break it down and you get more intimate and you get a, a deeper level of understanding, knowledge, and you get a different experience. Slowing down also allowed and spending more time also allows you to do what is my favorite thing, which is meeting people and getting into the culture. Because I have this argument with people all the time. They're like, oh, you're saying you're in the U.S., so there's not that much of a culture change. I argue. I beg to differ that somebody from Northern California on their first trip to Southern Mississippi, that's a culture shock. <laughs> um, I, uh, so, I'll, go with you. I'll go with you on that. Yeah. I mean, my family's from the deep South, right? So I, I, I bridge the gap, but I've gone from France to Belgium. The culture is not that different. I just, you just cross the border and you know, that's it. You didn't even get a stamp for a long time because the EU, you know, it's culture is a really neat thing. And, and it's really cool to sit down and talk to people because me being in Riverside, you being in Huntington Beach, those are different cultures, right? And sitting down, just talking to people, what's your story? How'd you get here? Right. Talking to the guys in Ballarat in Death Valley. How'd you end up here? You know, you just get to I have always wondered that. So I was fortunate enough to take quite a few road trips for the radio station back in the day as jokes they would send me on these long trips to get christmas trees all around the u.s from alaska to montana nova scotia etc and i'd be on these we would detour and take some interesting routes but i would see a house on a hill just just it's so tiny you could barely see it and i think 
why did that guy buy a house way or build a house way out there at the end of this road and there's nothing by it? And I so desperately wanted to drive out this road, knock on his door, not get shot. Get shot in the face. Not get shot. And just say, how? Why? What, did you grow up here? You realize that Are, guy's out there because he doesn't want you to come to his doorstep. <laughs> but maybe he's, willing to have a, maybe he's willing to have a conversation. The only way that's true is if you have a six-pack of cold beer in front it's of you. Maybe true. But, but these, these people, to your point, they live all over the world, and they all have a story. And I don't yeah. know. It's, those stories are fascinating. Uh, they they are and that and that's kind of you know when i when i redid the mhc I, I stayed as much original as i could but brought in some other things and gave people a couple of options as well to go explore some different stuff but but the idea is slow down and get out of your car right don't don't see the mojave desert looking over your steering wheel get out yeah, and, see, see the lava tubes, see the petroglyphs, yeah. see the Mojave River crossing in Afton Canyon that nobody knows. Three miles off the 15 is a three-foot water crossing that is right there. I mean, it's just things like that. Well, this is a good dovetail into let's talk about people, whether they're in Southern California or not, and visiting. Right. And what are the steps, and, and we're going to get into your way of traveling in your vehicle, but in what it is and why, but for the, for the explorer that's not from here, or maybe even from here, and they're just from, uh, you know, from L.A. or San Diego or Orange County or Sacramento or somewhere, they're coming to the Mojave, what do they need to buy, prepare? How do they... How, you can't just go there. It will, like I said, it'll bite you. So, so right. Billy, you sent me an email, and the way you closed out the email, I think, is perfect for this. And you said, how do you choose your mods and what you bring on the trail? And you said there's mm -hmm. basically five areas. It's capability, reliability, repairability, recoverability, and survivability. And if you are aware of those things, you can be a desert traveler. What did you mean by that? And what are the things in each of those categories that are essential to somebody starting out who wants to go explore the desert? Well, so so capability, things things with like your vehicle, right? Things that make it more capable of going off-road, right? Better tires, right? Um, you know, a, a good set of, of general grabbers, a good set of BFGs. Shock you know, mounts. Something that, Shock <laughs> you know, it's, it's, is there a story there? There might be. There is. And the sad thing about that story is I actually knew that was a weak point and I wanted to get it fixed before the trip. Brent said, nah, you'll be fine. And I broke him off and it became a real adventure. <laughs> and then we got him fixed afterwards because he didn't argue with me. The, de <laughs> the, the desert bit you. Yes, it did. But <laughs> And it's that thinking through those five things of repairability, I have an onboard welder. So we were able to weld it back together and keep going. So capability, things that allow your vehicle to, to perform with, you know, so you expand the limit of your vehicle, right? You expand that capability envelope where your vehicle is not stressing to its limit, right? Because like my, my truck is people will go, oh my God, that's an extreme, extreme rig. It, it's not, it's, it's an ex exploration rig. It's not a rock crawler, right? I will not go do, you know, Ford ice or something like that because it's not designed for that. It would tear my truck apart, but my truck is very adept at exploration and that's what it's built for. So long distance, long duration, very remote. Oh, comfort. Com well, some comfort. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's comfortable inside. I'm not going to argue that. That's one of the reasons why I don't have a Land Rover because everybody's like, eh. and I'm like, wow, well, seven knee surgeries. I probably don't want that. <laughs> um, but, 
the capabilities of a vehicle, if you're always pushing it at the edge, you're you're always going to be breaking it. You're always going to be doing something where you're not going to want to take it out anymore. So yeah, improve I mean, that's the capability. A thing where if you don't improve your capability, you're actually affecting reliability. Or sometimes when you exactly. think, when you think you're improving capability, you're actually affecting reliability. For example, exactly. if you're doing race parts or something that are designed to be serviced after every off-road race, yeah, they just did the Baja 1000, but if you're on it on your right. daily driver and you're not doing the right. Baja 1000, you're expecting 100,000 miles out of those parts, that's not right. what they're meant for. That's not going to help you when a joint right. fails because it needs to be serviced. So you're saying time. don't go on the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail uh, with a lowered Mini Cooper. Mm, you wouldn't. You wouldn't even get. You would, honestly, you wouldn't even get on the trail. I wouldn't even turn off yeah, the blacktop. No. I would. No, yeah. the, you would. You would start in needles, and the first uh, little rise past the uh, overpass mm-hmm. are right. rocks and ruts big enough. And I to can't tell you how many thing. times I've driven through Joshua Tree in the mini or in another vehicle, going, "Man, I wish I had a truck right now." Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But this this trail in Joshua Tree. <laughs> no, not even. Not even <laughs> That's close. True. Um, the, um, but but you're right. Everything interacts, right? So so you improve capability, and in, in, by default, it improves reliability. By default, that reduces your reliance on recoverability because you're you're reducing the chance of having to recover, which also reduces your likelihood of being in a survivability situation, right? So everything kind of plays together. And let me add and, one thing on rely on recoverability that people don't recognize is a proper tow point to be recovered or to recover somebody else. We were recently on our uh, four-wheeler of the year competition. There's a two-wheel drive Ranger that spun off uh, the Pioneer Town 2002 Burns Canyon Road into the ditch, and he was all twisted up, two-wheel drive, um, no hitch, uh, no tow hooks uh, or no tow points. I had to wrap a tree saver around his axle to yank him out. You know, that's something that people don't think about is, at least if you have a hitch, you can throw your hitch pin in and throw the loop of a toe strap or whatever in there and get yanked out. If you have nothing, you have to go on suspension links or axle on uh, axle housings, things that you really don't want to have that much pressure to be yanked out. And so I, I think that on the recoverability side, somebody might bring the recovery kit and go, oh, I got a couple of shackles and a rope or a, a dynamic um, you know, a saver or something like that. But they don't have the rest of it. They don't have a snatch right. block for the winch, or they don't have uh, a tree saver, or they don't have the right, you know, dynamic stretching rope. They only have a, a big, heavy, you know, um, non-dynamic rope, or whatever. The the point being that a, a bag isn't enough. You need to make sure that the receiving end of your vehicle can accept whatever tools you have in the bag to help you get right. out of trouble or you to rescue somebody else. I can't help but right. think of uh, those old episodes of Dukes of Hazard where they would tie uh, Cletus's uh, axle to a tree and he'd go speeding off and the axle would stay and the car would keep going. Oh, now you're just talking about like <laughs> stuff. American graffiti. Yeah. Right. A- a-holes like us would do like uh, crunch cans and throw them in the coil spring windings of your friend's Jeep so it rattles so he doesn't know <laughs> or tie the axle to the tree or take a jack and jack all the wheels so they're one inch off the ground so when they go and put it in gear in the morning all you know the tires just spin um horn to brake lights I, not that we've ever done any of that but yeah anyway well, that, moving right along one. Horn so, to brake so, so what you're good. saying is if i ever see you around my truck we're gonna have words i mean it's whoever's a faster draw i think is what it comes down to oh i'm, I'm good at that and so um, can we get into the avalanche yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to get into it. So let's do. Well, can I? Can yeah, we finish yeah, yeah, one yeah. point because we, yeah, we yeah. went way out. Uh, Dennis, right? I don't want to sell him short. The man has done so much, right? He deserves a lot of thanks. And now that he's he's getting you know really on in years, he's now eighty six and a half years old. 
that appreciation means a lot. He would never say it, but I know it does. Um, and you know, he, he is, he's a guy that dedicated his life, his adult life to the Mojave desert. And we are all the beneficiaries of it. So how would, you know, how would it, someone say thank you? I mean, is um, he, I'm you know, guessing he's not on social media. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but MDHCA.org is, is his group. They've got a phone number out there in Mojave and, and, you know, people could, you know, contact him, send him emails, um, send a, send a message that will get to him. Uh, his daughter's on the board there. Um, he's got, he's got a staff there that, that manages the place. And, uh, I know it would mean a lot to him because he, like I said, we are all the beneficiaries of his heavy lifting and, and all of his friends that, that he roped into doing this stuff with him. So, you know, it, it's a huge thing. And, and, you know, when I, when I finished the route, um, in May and then in October, I was invited to present at the MBHCA, their annual rendezvous event. Dennis was supposed to attend. Um, Neil Johns, who was the guy who, who you have the book, Sean, right? So the guy who drew the, who did the route guides, who drew the maps was there. Yeah. All the maps in the book and, are hand drawn and they're, and they're he, amazing. Oh, wow. You know, you know, he was 90, he was 92 years old and he came, I, I didn't think he should have been there just, you know, looking at him, but he came to hear me speak about their route. And that the fact that we brought this back to life. And so I was, I was honored enough to be able to meet him. And, you know, as soon as, you know, I started talking to him directly about the route, I mean, he was all in, he's there, he's, he's talking about it and it was great. And, and when I did the presentation, Dennis, unfortunately couldn't be there because of health reasons. But what I did not know was he had his daughter FaceTime on the phone and held her phone up. So he heard me. And then the next thing I know is when I'm done, his daughter comes up and says, hey, my dad would like you to, to call him right now. And so I called him and he invited me out to his house the next day. And I spent all day at his house talking. And and he just asked me, you know, we, we talked about different things, the experience of the route and, and the intent and all this stuff. And he asked me a question. And he, he just said, you know, in all your time out in the desert, exploring out in the desert, what's the best thing you've ever found? And it was weird because I didn't even think about it. It just came out of my mouth. I said, myself. And at that point, our relationship went to a whole different level. You know, and that gets to your point about, right, how did I get the trusting relationship that I have with Dennis today? Yeah. And that's it. And, and that started our relationship. I call him, try to call him at least once every other week. And chat with him. Unfortunately, I was just out in Mojave Saturday and was going to go by and see him, but he wasn't doing well. So I did not. For your listeners, for anybody that's that's enjoying the Mojave Desert, Dennis is the reason you're able to do that. He's the reason you have these routes. And again, the original author of the Mojave Road Guide, which anybody who's gone on that has, has searched that book out. Uh, you can find it from the Mojave Desert um, uh, Heritage and Cultural Association, or you can find it on Amazon, or you can find it at Barnes and Noble. It's out there. It's it's uh, it's awesome. There's a few. Uh, there's the original ones that are floating around, and then the spiral bound one is sort of the one that everybody has. The newer version, I believe, it just got updated not too long ago uh, with GPS coordinates too, right? For the Mojave Road. Yeah, it's it's been a little while, but it's it's still accurate. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about the books that I got that we've talked about in this episode and previous episodes 
is that when Billy laid out the new route, he's going to provide a, a supplemental guide that you'll be able to mm-hmm. get at some point. Um, but what was, what's awesome you about it, it now. you can get it now. All right. Even better. Um, so the supplemental guide is out there that supplements the books. It's meant to supplement the books. And what I mean by that is right. his philosophy, and I happen to agree with it, is he didn't want it to be a downloadable PDF that had everything in it. The books are you read the books, you read about the history. It talks about every single, like there's a mile marker, 0.1, 1.2, turn here, look off to your left, you'll see this. This cattle guard meant this for this rancher. I, I mean, the detail's unbelievable. So the supplemental guide shows you where the new parts of the route are, but they don't give you the secrets of the road. Those are all still buried in those original books, which is what makes it awesome because it forces you as an explorer to do some exploring and research like I did before hitting the trail. And part of my research was finding Billy and going, hey, I want to do what you did. How do I do it? And here we are, right? You want to hear a really cool little aside about that experience right there is in the at, towards the end of the second segment, after lava tube and you're headed out, you're starting to go out towards Rocky Ridge. Yeah. The, the direction in the book is at, at mile EMHT mile four. I think it's like 468.3, something along those lines. When you see the Joshua tree with the hawk nest in it, turn right. And, and so obviously the hawk nest isn't there anymore. Cause that was written in 1987. And um, when I told Dennis that, I said, you know, you guys did these directions on things that were not permanent. And I mentioned that example of the hawk nest. And he looked at me and he said, you mean the hawk nest is still isn't there? And I said, no, it's not there. And he goes, oh, that's a shame because I watched those hawk parents for three years and I photographed their babies. And, I mean, he just went into this. He knew everything about that hawk nest and that Joshua tree. At that mile mark. That's his, that's his, at that mile mark, that's his level of knowledge. What was he so anyway, doing? What was he doing in those years for employment? Or is this into retirement that he was doing it? That's what he did on his in his spare time. You know, he was working at Naval Surface Weapons Center. And on the weekends, he would go explore. And it, during the week, he, in his after hours, he would research. And when, when the Navy would send him every month to Washington, D.C., he would spend his weekends and evenings in the in the Library of Congress and going through the National Archives on all the history he could get for the whole area, and then bring it back with him and go. Okay, yeah. I've got I've got homework now. Right. Okay. Hey, yeah. If you if you ever get to go out to Goss and see the library that he had, I mean, it is the most extensive collection of Mojave Desert history ever. I've driven by it. I've never. I have to admit, I've never been inside. And I don't and even I know do where it. Goss is. Well, then you have to get the book or come Apparently, with me. Yeah, I'm not hey. going to tell you. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> All right, so I, I know we're I know we're running short on time. So real quick, let's talk about the avalanche. Let's talk about number two since that's your current rig, um, yep. and then uh, we'll circle back and talk about where people can get more information. Either follow you on Instagram, uh, where they can find the supplemental guides, books, all that. So let's talk about the the avalanche first. And were you, from day one with having the avalanche, were you okay with the chalky black plastic? <laughs> yes, because in, so I, my black one I owned from brand new. I bought it, right? They, they pulled it off the transporter at the dealer and, and I drove it home. And in the 18 years that I owned that truck, it had all kinds of desert pinstriping on it, but it didn't have a single door ding from a parking lot. So, yeah, I love that plastic. Well, that's good for the desert. Although I heard uh, that your first uh, time on the EMHT, you turned your shiny truck matte. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. It, <laughs> it, yeah. It, like I told you, man, and, and I warn people in the supplement guides, divorce yourself from your paint job now yeah. because it's not your truck isn't going to look the same. Although no you saw my Jeep after I put that Elmer's glue stuff from Road Warrior Plus on the side and it freaking was awesome. <laughs> There you go. So there, there is a way where you can save your paint and still well, enjoy I'm the. I'm still trail. waiting for that interview. You've got to line them up because I, I, I think it's just them, yeah. uh, it's mystery wax. It is. It is. It's snake oil that works. I don't know. Right. Anyway, yeah. I, I, we're running out of time. So what do you have done to the Avalanche? Uh, and I will remind people what's cool about the Avalanche is it's basically a uh, a suburban platform. It's got coil springs in the back. So they're they they're pretty awesome on flex flexiness and ride and things like that. But let's talk about what you've done to make it even better. So. One, showman seats, <laughs> which are amazing and a lifesaver for your back if you're in the seat for a long time. Um, wait, wait, stop. Wait, you said what kind of seats? Showman. I don't so need, Showman I, USA. Spell that. S-C-H-E-E-L-M-A-N. Huh. Never hmm. heard of them before. Maybe. Okay. Yes. So so they're they're a German company. Yeah. Um, Shield-Man, so actually. M-A-N-N. Shield-Man. Yeah. Okay. And so you're, you've are you taken – these are not uh, foam inserts or anything under the leather or – No, these yeah. are – they call them orthopedic no, automotive seats. seats. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they, they you know, they adjust to your femur length. They the bolster adjust. They're, they're amazing. So this they, would compare to like a Recaro or something. Yeah. I mean, these and the, and the refrigerator are, are two of the better things to spend money on, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the truck has those in it, right, because I'm in it a lot. And so at the end of the day, you know, I would, you know, every four hours get out, stretch, you know, because of the, the stock seats and stuff. And Or, you know, my girlfriend's wanting to go hike after a five-hour drive and my back's filming. I've had my knee rebuilt a bunch of times and it's hurting. But with the Shillman's, I can drive for 17 hours and get out of the car and it's like I was never driving. Um, they're really, really good, you know, but the, the truck has, it's, it's been all beefed. Um, the front end, the, the gears, it's got 488 gears in it. It runs 35 inch tires. Everybody always asks me, Oh my God, what lift kit, how big of a lift did you put on? The answer is I don't have one. It's a torsion bar front end sway away, custom ground me some torsion bars to get a particular spring rate that I wanted. And it dialed up three inches, but I've got RCV performance axles that have the ball join in them so yep. the, the angles are not that bad it's got cognito uppers uh with the uniball so the angles aren't that big of a deal you know that that helps the front end be more stout now there's nothing i can do about an avalanche front end as far as a locker because it's it's an aluminum smaller front end so to me i've got a rear locker i've got an arb locker in the rear and if i get into something where i need both lockers i probably didn't map it out properly or didn't consider weather properly something like that because i'm not trying to do a technical rock crawl but you know the truck all the all the bumpers and sliders and everything that are on it are all custom fabbed uh steel my buddy brent the guy got my bike stolen <laughs> he 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 uh, has his own company called bb fabworks in rancho cucamonga and he is an amazing fabricator. He built the racks, everything on my truck, roof rack, everything is, is I said what I wanted and he made it happen. So it's got dual swing outs. It's got um, a lot more clearance. It's up, but you know, my philosophy is as high as necessary, but as low as possible because I don't want to be, you know, bro dozered out where you're flipping over and off camber stuff. I want it to, to ride right. And uh, he built the suspension, designed the shocks and the valving. So, you know, I can, I can hit a, on the road, I can hit a speed bump at 15 and bump, bump. I can hit it at 60 and don't even feel it. 
so it's it's dialed right it's a man after my own heart clearly yeah you know it's it's uh it rides on uh 35 uh 125017 general tire grabber x3s which i love that tire it's it's i've had it in every single terrain i can think of and, and, and you have a uh, 24 inch rims correct Yes, he has 24. <laughs> Rolling on 22s. I will um, say that the problem with his uh, his setup is that the uh, plastic is uh, faded like all avalanches, yet his snorkel plastic is nice and black still. Right. Well, that's because that's Safari, not GM. <laughs> <laughs> so, so apparently they know how to deal with oxidation in Australia. Uh, apparently. Um, no, and I've, I've toyed with the notion I have recently been researching a product called sim i think it's like a black dye that dyes the plastic because paint doesn't stick to it very well sure sim sim is a uh the company specializes all the car stereo guys uses sem sim paint for doing like uh all the plastic work in cars one thing i i, I gotta get in here real quick is you might want to check out cerakote they make a, a restorative black product yep. just for this like the avalanche is the holy grail of like the basically the avalanche is the picture on their bottle so please do look Look up when yeah. you get a second, Billy. We used it on a. I, I did a couple of different vehicles, and it's awesome. It, it puts a uh, a layer of protectant over your plastic, turns it black, but it can last two hundred washes. So uh, we've yeah, had them. Cerakote. Cerakote. Same stuff for your guns. Uh, they make a a, a black okay. restoration pro- uh, product as well. They're automotive line. So it can last two hundred washes. Yep. How is it with sagebrush? Uh, it, I put it on my Jeep ahead of time, and the uh, probably seventy five percent of. The uh, the streaks that were on my black plastic, I was able to wipe off. It was great. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. No, it, cool. it was. Uh, it I used it on. That was part of my EMHT uh, uh, prep. So I used that in the uh, <laughs> in the Elmer's glue. I mean the uh, uh, Road Warrior Plus. So that's spoken like a guy who has a brand new vehicle. Yeah. I'm yeah. Spend all my prep time protecting my paint. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. And you know what? It's. Uh, my buddy Lawson, who has his 80 Series Land Cruiser, who came on the uh, trip with us, he did the same thing on his, came by my house the other day, and he hadn't seen it since I had it uh, all removed and then uh, nice and waxed. He goes, it doesn't even look like you went out there. I'm like, that's right. So everybody who was uh, hating on me for uh, going through bushes, nice. I'm like, no. Nope, I, I actually good. want, I, I keep mine clean, but I actually want people to know it gets used because there's so many shiny vehicles yeah. in Southern California that... You know how they get used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. At I want to really know how it works. All right, if, um, if, you know, but but the the truck, you know, it's it's got you know it's got an easy on tent on it, right? That's been through seventy mile an hour windstorms and holds itself together because it's that's what it's designed for, right? It's all quality expedition grade stuff. A warm twelve S Xeon uh, winch. Um, and one of the things that I will tell people is invest in the ability to communicate. Um, you know, I carry an in-reach, it, mine's an older, it's a Delorme before Garmin bottom, but I have been in the situation, unfortunately, where it had to be used, uh, you know, tragic situation, really remote. And one person in the group, it's one of the few times that, that we've actually been in a group and, um, cause normally we are solo. There was one person with a cell phone or a sat phone, sorry. And, and they were still trying to get EMS on the line when the EMS vehicles showed up from my inReach. Wow. Because text, you text on an inReach and everybody goes, oh, text, I'd rather talk. But talking takes a lot of bandwidth. And in remote locations, yeah, you might have a satellite, but you don't have the bandwidth. I use an inReach. There's there's other options out there. I've but... got a uh, Find Me Spot uh, on mine plus uh, GMRS, 
which is a lot better than the CB. So you guys got to, uh, right. whoever's using a CB, get rid of those things and uh, invest yeah. in the GMRFs. Yeah, I, I use a, I've got a ham. And, yeah, you yeah know, ham, but, obviously, but, but even better. Yeah, yeah, but really, you know, you can't underestimate it, right? Because the ability to, to tell, you know, you hit the button and they're like, hey, we got an alert signal, what's happening? And it's, you know, vehicle off the side, two victims, right? And, and so you can tell them what's going on and you can get help. And whatever that help may need to be, you can get the, the right level of help to you. Really, I would say that's one of the things that I would stress to people is because, because technology and marketing has, has made people feel more comfortable getting into hostile environments and they, and they really don't understand the level of the environment that they're getting into a lot like death Valley, because you can see so much of the popular stuff from pavement that they think, Oh, I can just go out there and see this other thing. And it's no big deal. Yeah. You no, feel right? invisible. Well, f- 15 feet off the road, a rattlesnake can get you yeah, literally. Yeah. Yes. Or on the road. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, I came across a family one time coming back from racetrack uh, a couple of years ago and right. That's that sun's going down and I see them on the side of the road and I stopped. They've got like a Nissan Xterra and two blown tires, not just one, two. It's a, a husband, wife and, and young son. And, you know, long story short, two blown tires, didn't know he had a spare, didn't know how to take a tire off, didn't know how to change it. No ability to deal with it. No water, no jackets, no nothing. It was going to be 15 degrees that night because it was December. And the sun's going down and I'm like, I'm the last one coming. I'm the last one out there. Nobody else is coming through here. You're here for the night if I wasn't here. So, you know, I, I patched one of his tires, showed him how to change the other tire, did it for him, checked his air pressure. His air pressure was, you know, 55 pounds in in eight year old tires. And so, so I aired down his other tires and gave him directions to go to Beatty um, and get a hotel room and get up in the morning and buy a new set of tires. You know, I gave him a box of granola bars and a half a case of water and said, I'll be about an hour behind you. You know, the wife didn't want me to leave, but they had nothing. They yeah, were out there. I, I'm thinking that was a frosty you know, uh, drive home. <laughs> I, I Well, I applaud the dad, right? His parents had taken him out there when he was little. They're from the Bay Area. And he wanted his wife and son to see the racetrack and, and the rocks and, sure, and how amazing it is. And, and so I completely applaud that. But, but you got to be prepared. can't underestimate the environment that you're in. Yeah. So, you know, um, just the message, be prepared and the ability to communicate is a big part of that. All right. If you want to follow Billy, uh, he's at fractal dot exploration on Instagram. He's got a really cool Instagram feed. You can check out his avalanche. Um, by the way, how many days was the, uh, Eastern, Mojave Heritage Trail designed to take? Because I don't think, you know, you were questioning my uh, aggressiveness and trying to cover mileage. So uh, if you take your time and, and do right. it the right way. Yeah, you were. <laughs> but I also I also had a ton of people with me that slowed me down. But yes. that, that being said, that being said, what so, is a so typical route supposed to take? The original route was 660 miles. And Dennis recommended it take 12 days. <laughs> um my route with the reroutes is 733 miles and I'm recommending nine. All right. Eight to nine. I can see that. Um, just because right. I'm, I'm not stopping at every bush. Well, we did a, Um, we did a third in three. So there you go. Right. Like that's probably right on pace for what you were, what you were recommending. Segment, segment three is the one that will take you the longest. 
Oh God, it's worse than one. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) One's like the short one. When you told me that, when you told me that you made lesser Ray mine for your first night camp, that's where I had lunch at 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's (laughs) extenuating circumstances. And when I lost the group and there were only three of us, we did 120 miles that day. So, I mean, it it could be done. What time of year do you suggest people make this trek? Well, I suggest uh, fall. Um, winter can be great as long as you're really watching the weather. Spring would be great as long as you're really watching the weather. Um, I did it, uh, late May and which was fortunately it was cool. Um, it was only about 89 degrees, but, um, that's not normal. Normally I would not be out there after mid April. So I'm hearing October. Fair enough. Yeah, October, September, October. Yeah, okay. late September to yeah, mid-November. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe mid-November. Okay. All right. Did you guys have weather? Uh, no, it was beautiful. It was amazing the entire okay. time. The days were uh, between seventy-two and eighty, and the evenings were between about uh, twenty-nine and forty-two. Yeah. So, pr- so if you want to, if you want to try to beat me, um, I did it in six days, and Challenge that included accepted. that included welding my truck back together. All right, challenge Dang. accepted, but I need to get my new shocks, but because of the COVID <laughs> supply chain, they're not ready yet. So, But but here's here's what I would tell you and everybody else. I did that trying to prove out a route. I wasn't exploring and right. hiking and doing all the things that I think if you're going to take the time to do this route, especially if right. you're coming from another part of the world or another part of the country, take your time, yeah. slow it down, and enjoy everything out there, and read the books. And move over right. if you see me in your rear view, honking <laughs> and slashing my legs. Well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but, you know, the, the where books, can... get them at mbhca.org. Okay. Is that where you can get the uh, supplemental guides and everything as well? Yes. So if you if you buy the books, they are they are $30 a piece. And these are the original books. This is from the original run that they have a very small uh, set of all four Left, right? Yeah, What's the website right. again? It's very limited. MD, mdhca.org. Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association.org. Okay. Yep. Um, when you buy the books, um, they will come free with my supplement guides. For, and there's a supplement guide for each book. You can also download my map file, the route file. As you mentioned, I, did, I intentionally put no information other than a line because I want people to to have the experience and part of that is doing the research. One of the other things, if somebody already has the books, they can go to that website and download the supplement guides for free. I'm not trying to make money off this. This is Dennis's thing. So, and by the um, way, uh, Billy worked with the BLM and got their blessing as well for all of this stuff. So, um, I love it. Appreciate your time. I know, uh, you got a lot going on with the move and stuff, but I would love to have you back. I definitely, after I, uh, complete this thing. We'll have you back on because I want to talk about it more in depth after I've had a chance to do the whole trail. Sounds amazing, I, I, Billy. Thank I, you I for doing all that work. Yeah, well, it's it's not done because talking to Dennis, I, I guess. Oh well, then we might be then you're a dirtbag for not edition. finishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you know we might we might be trying to update the books to make it to where you know there's there's a book so it's not quite so limited. But right now you hit on it. There's an extremely limited amount of supply because it's the original run. So it's just and whatever. When those are left. gone, that first that first run's gone. So. All right, well, they're you, gone, they're gone. you know how to get a hold of me if you need help, and uh, we'll, you and I will definitely stay in touch. So I appreciate your time, and thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, brother. Lightning, thank you very much. Yeah, Pleasure thank you. you. Thank you. We'll and, talk, uh, we'll talk, talk to you again to soon. soon. All, All right, right, man. Thanks, Billy. Right, man. See ya. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Holman, email time. Yeah. yeah. 
you're ruining it. What'd you do that for? Well, I said, yeah, I was excited. Yeah, but you, you, uh, pump yes. your brakes. Here we go. Okay. You email, yeah, I email, do it. We email, that's right. Everybody email, type it up. You email, proofread. On beat. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, email, email, give me some of your email. Tell me, tell me how you feel. Give me some of Oh, so are you like a cheerleader over there? I don't know. I was just <laughs> grooving. Uh, I am going to videotape him next time, I promise people. You've I been will. saying that for two and a half. Three I years. always try. I hit the button, and then I scramble for my phone. It's too late every time. Mm. Are you starting or am I starting? The, uh, I think you must have printed out. Uh, did you blow through a whole ream of paper? Yeah, I actually did. Mm. You guys have been prolific. <laughs> this is how I know you missed us uh, during our one-week office. Every one of our listeners emailed us, and we have a ream of emails about 10 feet tall. Which, by the way, we appreciate. thank you. Yeah. Made us feel loved because even though I'm like, man, well, people are still downloading the uh, podcast. They haven't forgotten about us. Ding! Like, sure oh, did. Says. Oh, great. That guy remembered us. All right. Uh, speaking of people who remembered us, we got our friend uh, Ray, uh, a.k.a. Popeye, who's been a, a longtime listener. And he says, 2020 final bonus episode L and H. I don't do any of the socials. I only do email, text, and voice calls. But I did enjoy your final bonus episode, catching up on all the stuff for those listeners that use those services. It was a classy way to end 2020's podcast year. And I love the way you ended the bonus podcast. All the best in 21. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thanks for your passion and commitment to the Truck Show podcast. And that was from our friend Ray. I was totally waiting for a mounted parameters. He never got to it. That's unlike you, Ray. No, Ray's not selfish. He's leaving it for other listeners. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Jay and Sean get out of the house episode was the uh, <laughs> subject line here from Jacob. 11,000 minutes is nothing. There was a trucker they called in last year that claimed to have listened to 12 episodes while driving for 16 hours. Uh, so How many minutes 16 hours, 12 uh, episodes times 120 minutes. That's, uh, 1440 minutes. Doesn't sound right. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing, it's dude. Jacob talking Come about. Come on, Jacob. Jeez. Come on now. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> you didn't close. even hit the trash that was, can. I might as well have couch. made a, uh, a paper airplane and thrown the opposite direction. No, wildly uh, ineffective mm. uh, on your uh, on your skyhook. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I've got two emails from our friend Lars. The first, and they came about two hours apart. It says, hey guys, trucks are big rigs or semis. I have a truck and then I have a pickup. Completely different vehicles. It's annoyed me since I was a little kid. My dad has owned and driven trucks for 25 years, and I've driven since I was 18 and owned one for five. I've driven for nine years now. Big difference between a truck and a pickup to us. Anyway, I still love the Truck Show podcast, even if it's incorrectly named. I know the general population calls pickups trucks, and that's okay with me, even if they're wrong. Keep up the great show. That's from Lars. And then... See, that's what I was saying, right? Remember? I was. I, I, I was we don't know what you were saying. I, I'm never clear on what your actual I, points that's, are. Lars was saying exactly what uh-huh. I was saying, is mm-hmm. that big rig drivers... Call them trucks, and uh-huh. they just give us a pass for call. Finish. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, then Lars wrote back, Holman and Lighting. Yep, I'm still giggling in my big rig. Ha ha. Thanks for all the laughs, and thanks for the informative show. As I've told you before, literally two hours ago, I am a truck driver. I do mostly local work, so I don't sleep in my truck more than half a dozen times a year. So this hasn't happened to me. 
But I'm sure you've heard this kind of story before, but don't be sleeping in the driver's seat. A guy stops for a snooze at a rest area and slumps over the wheel. A friend is behind him a ways and pulls into the rest area and noses up to the guy that's sleeping and lays on the horn. The sleeping guy wakes up thinking he's about to die. Now he's very awake because his heart is in his throat. There's a sleeper on a truck for a reason. Now I know it's probably very uncomfortable to sleep in the backseat of a pickup, but I'm pretty sure I remember Lightning telling us he's done it. Anyway, enough rambling. Again, our friend Lars. Uh, yes, uh, Lightning was locked in work one day and slept inside the uh, warehouse in the back of a truck. Yep, back of a 2019 Ford F-250. And you said that was pretty comfortable or something? It was comfortable except for the center uh, seat belts, which were jabbing into my... Uh, my side. Well, you right know, here. if you lift the seat up, you can pull those out. Right? Yeah, I should have. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. That was dumb. Uh, like many things, I do not my truck, but cool. Subject line from uh, Jason. Hey guys, listen to episode one fifty five today. So far, I've listened to one through forty six and one hundred and thirty six through one fifty five. Wait. That's an odd gap. Yeah. Sounds like my kids. I can't even figure that. Thanks for reading my last emails. My favorite jingle is the truck review jingle because if you are rolling coal, you're definitely a truck nuts guy. So I saw the truck uh, boat below. Wait a minute. The truck? Oh, my God. Yeah, that is a truck boat. That is a a brook. That is a truck on pontoons with an outboard engine. Okay, <laughs> this is super bizarre. All right, what kind of truck is so it? So I, it looks like that is a one hundred and fifty or something. No, what is it? It looks like a Chevy. Yeah, it is. So this is a Chevy, like a fifteen hundred extra cab. <laughs> Would you say that's an extra cab, like a late model extra cab, maybe like a two thousand five? Oh no, it's way earlier than that. Is that, it? That yeah, that's a, a GMT four hundred truck, long bed, uh, extended cab. So you're thinking what late nineties? Uh, early, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that would be, uh, no, I guess that's an 88 to 98, but it's the, it's a later version, like, uh, you know, uh, 96, 97. So is it, sl- I see wheels in there. So is it slammed sitting on pontoons? Yeah. So it's, it looks like it's body dropped because the wheels are tucked and then it's on top of the pontoons with the upboard. That is a weird project. Yeah. Let me, uh, figure out where I left off on this email. Okay. So, uh, so I saw this truck boat below Near the lake last week, I was sitting beside the road at an upholstery shop. Now, I'm not into the mini truck scene, but I have an appreciation for the work that goes into the mods. I know nothing about the truck boat or boat truck other than it was sitting beside the road. Just thought of you guys, since you all love the mini truck scene so much, I would send over this pic. Have a great new year, which we are. Uh, Looking forward to the next podcast. Always five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Thanks again, Jason. I got one here from uh, Casey Hebert. Says, uh, "Dear Holman and Lightning." Yes. Nope, Lightning and Holman. Really, he knows. Says so on the poster above my head. Mm, that was just me being polite. Uh, I have to say, the best interview yet has to be Bert. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, that was our friend Bert Garrison Jr., the uh, pilot of the SR seventy one and also a J twenty overlanding rig. Lightning on the issue of Instagram and you being worried about following a set topic. You sound like my wife. People follow you to see stories about you. If I want to follow or see only certain things, I'll follow that hashtag. Hmm. Hmm. Any chance you guys could get someone on to talk about the Holly Sniper EFI or FiTech or something similar, as that is my next upgrade. Attach our pictures of my 98 Peterbilt 379, that long nose, and a 1977 Ford Bronco. If you're ever in South Louisiana, give a shout. Can go shoot SBRs and suppress Scar 17 and eat some of the best food Cajun country has to offer. I'm going to go ahead and give him a five stars for that one. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. And that is definitely a Yeah Buddy worthy uh, email. Yeah Buddy! 
Yeah, uh, Casey left us his phone number, and I actually am planning to get to Louisiana uh, hopefully in the next few months. I need to see uh, our good friend Chef Corey Barr up in northern Louisiana, and I've got some family down in the south, so uh, maybe we can make that happen. I wouldn't mind uh, shooting SBR or SCAR. That sounds pretty... Uh, I don't know what the uh, SBR. I don't get that reference. Barrel rifle. Oh, okay. Yes. That would be like a... Uh, not a sawed-off. Could be. Uh, could it be a sawed-off? just going to... S- just, so yes, it could. Okay, just... hard body pizza truck from uh, Jeff Stevens. Our local pizza joint uh, here in Mar- Mount Carmel, Illinois, has a fleet of Nissan hard body pizza delivery trucks. Sure enough, they do, and uh, I'd love to own one. So if they uh, if they beat them up and they sell them cheap, I'll take one. Uh, I think that should be the vehicle we never take the gambler. <laughs> and then we, what we should do is get a portable pizza oven uh, no. and do the whole trip. B- well, cooking pizza in the no, back. No, we turn it into a an ice box and we sell. We give ice cream away on no, the trip. No, no, that, oh, you nah. like the pizza thing? No, we keep it warm yeah. and we give away brisket sandwiches. Okay, although that's really expensive. No, so. let's just stick with pizza. All right, uh, got one here from uh, Dana Bresler. Says Lightning and Holman. My dad bought me in the uh, uh, subject line is hobby welder. My dad bought me a welder from Home Depot back in 2006 for 600 bucks, a Lincoln Weld Pack 175. It's a 220 volt MIG welder and has been a great first welder, except for the fact that it's still working. It had a drive motor go out a few years ago, but I ended up fixing it myself, so I still haven't had an excuse to get a new one yet. It's great for eight, one eighth, one quarter inch steel, which is most rock sliders, skid plates, suspension links, A arms, stuff you do to your truck, your TV, or anything like that. It will weld sheet metal pretty well, but a 110 welder seems to work better or something with more advanced settings. Like Lightning's friend said, you can do a lot with a cheap machine. You just have to know how to use it. I've used a $15,000 machine at work, and they are awesome. But you definitely don't need that to have some fun and make cool stuff. Mounter those parameters. And that came from Trucker Jones. So I'm not sure why the uh, Trucker Jones, who's Tucker Jones, is Dana Bresler. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Wait, is what? It, is it a Trucker Jones imposter? That's super weird. Is it an alias? I don't know. So confused by that email. Okay. <laughs> I, no, I'm not confused by the email. I'm well, no, but by he, yeah, Trucker how could Jones. He have, yeah. It was Tucker Jones is his name, I thought. Or was Tucker Jones an alias? No, because his old email was Tucker Jones, and then we called him Trucker Jones, but now he's sending from a new email. Hmm. Can you in Gmail? Can you change your outbound name? Could you call yourself no, his, like Thelma? But, yes, but your the email is different than what Trucker Jones has emailed us in the past. We have a mystery on our hands here. I need the Sherlock Holmes hat right about now, and you should have his pipe. Uh, okay. Roadside America from Evan. Hold on. Who gets the monocle? Uh, we'll share it. That's weird. <laughs> it clips onto your uh, lapel, but I wear but you, it. Yeah, you ride inside my vest or something. Uh, okay, so hey, Lightning and Holman, uh, just listened to the last show and thought after Lightning was talking about the roadside America, if you ever get to Pennsylvania again, you should check out the Choo Choo Barn in Strasburg. Uh, it's got a lot of the same thing, and the Pennsylvania Railroad Museum is right up the road. And if it would interest you, you can also go for a ride on a steam train. Love the show. Keep up the great content and keep mounting those parameters. Key what guy doesn't like a locomotive? Seriously. 
no no guy doesn't not like a local locomotive. No guy does not not like. What did I just say? I don't. Every know. guy likes a locomotive. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. We love trains. Yeah, and airplanes. Right, and food. Hey, uh, we have one more here from Jacob Boone. I, I didn't, I, I didn't. Jacob, want to... pause. I know the brakes on that, dude. He's Lars, a, a, Jacob, he's a Ray. Machine. We yeah. love all you guys. Yeah. Okay, so I just have a bone to pick with him because uh, I had said Baloo, the big blue bear, in whatever we were talking about a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And he writes back. He has the audacity to say, "He's not a blue bear." He kind of sounds like you. He's from Tailspin, and here's the theme song to play. Jeez. Okay, hold hold your role there, Jacob Boone, because <laughs> you're showing us your age, because he is indeed the blue bear from the frickin' Jungle Book, dude. And that came out when we were kids. Actually, came out way before we were kids. But the point being is blue is a big, giant blue, blue bear. bear. Yeah. And then he wants us to remember this show from, I believe it was the late 80s or early 90s. Uh-huh. You move your mic to your uh, laptop, okay? <laughs> Spirit! Let's begin. Yeah, the tailspin, right? Yes. What? But my point is, Baloo is both of those things, Jacob. So, you know, do your homework, pal, before you're going to send in your... Little I know more than you do emails. <laughs> I'm throwing this one right on out. This is full of half truths and fake news. He was Jacob trying Boone. to scorch the earth with his uh, yeah. and he's trying to learn us some some mm. uh, some stuff. I think I don't know what a blue bear didn't looks work. like. Yeah, lightning, lightning, lightning. Oh, I like where this is going. Is the subject line from uh, <laughs> Evan here? Beard boy and thunderstruck. He starts. Beard boy. Beard boy. Oh well, that works too. Beard boy and thunderstruck. It starts off with a YouTube link, which, of course, I can't see because you printed it out. I mean, I can see it, but I can't click on it because it's a piece of paper. What, what is this thing he's... This uh, link? Okay, he says, go to 14 minutes in on this YouTube link. All what is right. this? All right. Mm-hmm. 50 SVT lightning, 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 We've talked about the lightning a lot on this channel. Yeah. That yeah, makes sense. Yes, we have. Lightning, lightning, lightning makes sense now as a subject line. So that's just good. Was that a Donut? Who did that? Uh, that was Donut. Yeah, Donut. So thanks for that uh, tip. I will steal that sound effect from them and uh, use it on our show. But on a serious note, what happened to the EJS concept Jeeps? Uh, Holman's probably for you. Maybe the 392 was one of them. Also, any word on the EGS 21? I'm planning on making the ultimate trip to Moab from Pennsylvania within the uh, next few years and hoping it'll be back to normal soon. Since I didn't send pics of the Jeep on my last email, here's my 200,000 mile TJ. Like my F-150, it's all stock. And he says, uh, happy holidays. And uh, there is his Jeep. Wow, it's pretty clean. Here, take a look. Oh, yeah. It's a nice looking TJ. Uh, EJS Concept Jeeps. Yeah, I think the 392 is one of them. And uh, any word on 21? Yeah, I'm, uh, I think we're all hoping that it happens this year. Um, I'm planning to go out there, I think, just on my own if I have to. Last year you tried to, you were going to go out on your own, but then they said, stay away or we'll uh, or, shoot you. No, Yeah, something like that. They, can't, they canceled it. Uh, if they would have... It was like in this weird week where all of a sudden a bunch of stuff came down. Um, I would have gone last year. I was ready to go, 100%, go do it on my own. Do we know how many people actually did go out on their own? Mm-hmm. No, no, because the town got closed down, and it was just uh, no no bueno. So, uh, hmm, Evan Jones, he goes by Jeeper Jones. How many Who Jones? Jones are out there? <laughs> huh. 
We have a, we have a Dana imposter uh, of a trucker, imposter of a jeeper, Jones. What's up with all you Joneses? Are we keeping up with the Joneses and the emails here? All right. Uh, thanks for all your emails, guys. We appreciate it, especially uh, when we were taking a little bit of time off. It makes us feel love that you guys uh, missed us enough to send us some uh, some some love letters. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And we love your love letters. You know what we haven't done in a while? Uh, hit the restroom because I got to go. What's new in trucks? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Did you see that? It went a whole full 360. Like, I launched away from the microphone, I spun around the room, and I came right back to where I started. I mean, I saw it. I wasn't participating, but it I saw it. awesome. awesome. <laughs> I See, it started off kind of organically with just you and I going, uh, because yeah. it felt like the thing to do. Yeah, well, that's what we always do. And then you just, uh, when you do something that's not expected, I can't, I don't, I can't you predict. freeze. No, I didn't. I just sit here and watch you. It was awesome. Was it awesome? Oh, gee, you felt good been, about it. Should have been. That should have been in slow motion. Just. Uh, it was it in slow motion. Sounded like this, and then it came back. It was. Oh, it was so great. You know, it's not great. Uh, the GM logo. What the hell is that all? About? It looks like something I made in my eighth grade clip art class with like the crappy color gradient and then i'm like oh i'm gonna redesign the gm logo by making the line only under one letter and then the, it's all gonna be lowercase what yeah Stop they went it. from uppercase gm to lowercase gm and they uh, designed it in ms paint oh i know if it was an ms paint it would look 10 times better god it's so horrible they're like, oh, we have 20 electric cars coming, so we need a new logo. And so that way we're more approachable. What is this? Why? Well, I do think that lowercase GM speaks to the internet generation because the internet is all lowercase, right? So and are they going to, and when it says General Motors Corporation, are they going to take out all the vowels next too? Like, come stop. That's an interesting question. When they write out General Motors, will it be all in lowercase? Because uh, that would be silly. Uh, yeah. And with the vowels gone, it's not very stately. It's it's it just feels like you cheapened your brand. I don't mm. like it. Mm-mm. I don't. I, I mean, now do some, we do we not like it because we're like old, old? stodgy guys yeah, and we're truck know. guys? Or no, be- I mean, because like Nissan redesigned their logo to make it a little bit more futuristic. Yeah, and it's clean. And it's clean. The GM logo looks like my three year old did it. Like, how do you have two logos that stand out in the marketplace and are very recognizable, and one you actually kind of make it look a little more futuristic and the other one you look like a, somebody well there's two, there's two ways blocks. that these things go down you know this right so there's either somebody high up came up with it and said we're going with this or it was focus grouped to death that's it there's only <sighs> they don't happen like it doesn't really float up the food chain and go hey what do you think it is with it no it's just a dude at the top or the woman at the top says this is it or they just focus group the living hell out of it 
Yeah. And I don't know. I just don't Do we think... know what the backstory is? We probably will never know the backstory, right? I just don't think... Well, I already said it. They basically wanted it to be more approachable to No, people. but I mean, like, really, how did it happen? There are humans yeah, right. in I... that tall glass building, right, that came up with this logo. The logo hasn't really been substantially changed since, like, 64. So I get that. But, I mean, when do you start one day and you go, well, let's just change our logo? Like, that's a pretty big deal. And when you change it to where it's worse than the, oh, I, I just, I don't like it. Like, I mean, going from just uppercase G and uppercase M in a square and they're all going to. No, a, but it's not a square, Lightning, because the corners are rounded now. Like, yeah. it's just. Mm-mm. Uh, mm-mm. Mm. No, it leaves this reviewer cold. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I will go back and say I am a fan that. Rumor has it the 22 GMC Sierra 1500 Denali is going to get the Cadillac Super Cruise self-driving system. What is that? That is the autonomous driving, like on a Tesla where you can- It's full boat Tesla style. No kidding. Yeah. So it's uh, it's allegedly, uh, the pickup truck will be one of the uh, the first uh, vehicles, I guess, outside the Cadillac brand to get it. Wow. Well, if you're going to experiment with new technology autonomously, I think you're going to want to do it in the heaviest truck you can find, right? <laughs> and I guess it comes uh, a year after the Ford system is supposed to go live, because I think that's coming up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've heard is that the GMC Super Cruise system is unique because it allow you to tow a trailer while you're using it. Are you calling it Super Cruise or Super Crew? No, Super Cruise. Super Cruise. GM calls it Super Cruise. Okay, no, I didn't. I was just not hearing you clearly. Yes, uh, but you're missing the whole point. Towing a trailer autonomously. Does that scare you? Yes, that does scare me. That's not... Wait a minute. I don't know. I've seen some... Lately, people have been sending us tow fails, right? Uh, towing failures. Yeah, and I... Uh, so maybe... But the, this is... You can keep your hands in your lap, and the system uses the cameras to monitor the driver. There's a LiDAR system. It... Uh, I guess it can use up to 200,000 miles of American and Canadian public highways. Uh, the Ford system is active on about 100,000 of miles mapped uh, so far. I'm, uh, Would I you try it? Know. So if they give you a test truck. Well, yeah, it's my job to try it. Well, then, okay. No, I'm not, but. I, you're not scared of it, but you're like. But I'm not really. I like to drive, though. You still can. You don't have to activate that feature. Right. At what point will it be mandatory, though? That's the scary uh, thing. At what you're point? You're not allowed to drive. Right. More and more freedoms get taken away. Hey, did you see the Tesla video that um, where it avoids a tire? Yeah, that was the op- pretty cool. Is that real? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Because my God, uh, that I, that's was... remember we've had this discussion before where that's my fear is I'm in the carpool lane yeah. and the tire bounces over yeah. and hits the windshield. Well, I told square you before on my motorcycle I had to duck and I've had rocks go over the top of me and stuff. Rock way different yeah. than uh, a wheel and a tire. Uh, Three or four pound rock, I don't know. I know it would kill you. I get yeah, it. I think but either listen, way you're dead. Yeah, it's like either the, way. Are you, are you dying from blunt force trauma or from a projectile <laughs> right. going through you? I yes, mean, that's either true. Way is that's bad. true. But man, that was pretty impressive. If it's if it's real, then that Tesla avoiding a yeah. tire coming over the, uh, the center median, wow. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. So I like the safety, but I the autonomy is scary because once we- Tell Uncle Sam that they like can when, drive us around. They you don't will. like being in my vehicle that has adaptive cruise control. Like you get nervous. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't say that I didn't like it. I was nervous. No, you go. Gah! Gah! I did. Gah! Yes, I did. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, what? Are you, it's the car's driving, and you are very uncomfortable with that. 
But that's no different. Well, that, you know what it is? You being in a car, you know, in a car truck going around a racetrack, it's a little uncomfortable, right? Or, or when someone's tailgating and you're in the passenger seat, you know how uncomfortable that can be. Now, now, now put the computer in the driver's seat. That's spooky. The computer's different because snow, whiteouts, cameras, there's... You've seen the side of the semi truck crossing where the Tesla doesn't see it because it's white, and then the dude, you know, yeah. doesn't have a very good day. I don't know. I think people are going to abuse the crap out of it. I don't know if it's going to make for better drivers or worse drivers. I'll tell you. Dude. What happens if you if you are driving autonomously with your trailer, then you don't like what the car's doing because you see something. And then you grab control back, and then you cause an accident because you overreact because you've woken up suddenly to the car or truck doing something. God, how many people will sleep? All of them. (laughs) That's the only reason. To me, that's the only reason. I want to sleep on my hour and a half commute. Otherwise, I don't want the thing driving for me. But if it's like, you know. You should not be in a car. You should be in a train or some like. Yeah. I hear, I hear you. Some kind of uh, Star Trek transporter of some sort. Uh, I have sad news. Sadder than that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to hear it. <sighs> Toyota uh, killed the Land Cruiser in America. Oh, that is sad That's news. official. That is sad news. Yeah. The uh, 2021 models the last year. You can still buy it as a Lexus, but not as a Toyota. It just... It sucks. Sales are that low or what? It's not really about, well, I mean, the sales have always been low. It's like a couple grand or something like that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Eh. It's like an end of an era. It is the end of an era. We just had a Land Cruiser episode on with Jeremiah Prophet. Oh. Just it's, the Land Cruiser oh. in a lot of ways has you know, been a hand built and bespoke and uh, just, you know, maybe we need to talk to Johnny Lieberman. He's a big Land Cruiser fan and get his take on it. He's, uh, he'd come back on. Well, what's he going to say? It's dumb. Don't do it. Stop. Keep making them. Well, Keep selling them. I mean, you're not Johnny. I want to hear it from his mouth. Yeah. Okay. Because he'll say it a lot more inflammatory than that. <laughs> yeah, he <will. laughs> yes, he will. So, I mean, come on. That's that's a bummer, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, GM dealer says electric uh, GMC pickups are going to be joining Hummer, which I think we knew about. So, uh, GMC, they're, uh, they're getting Super Cruise and they're getting electric pickups and the guys over at Chevy are going... Hey, wait a minute. They ain't right. Mm-hmm. And about five years, I'm sure Chevy will get it too. Uh, Ford recently uh, dropped a video of the electric F-150 prototype uh, chewing through snow. And no surprise, it uh, appears that it probably has an independent rear suspension. Uh, you can see it in one of their clips. And uh, I wonder if uh, that is just specific to the electric model uh, or if that's a precursor of what's to come on the uh, F-150 pickups. What do you think? Think they're going to go IRS on their bestseller? <sighs> what's – IRS would be more expensive, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. They might. Yeah, they might. it, it handles really, better, but yeah. it doesn't handle loads better, you know. Yeah, but Camber it's – Camber changes and the way people use their vehicles. I don't know. Recently drove the uh, the new uh, GM twin full size uh, SUVs, the Yukon and the Tahoe, with IRS, and uh, it's okay. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, should we talk to someone from uh, Kicker? Because I just found out the other day that they make a uh, an audio system for the Multi Pro tailgate. 
So oh, we've when uh, it flips we've covered down. yeah we've covered that on uh, at trucktrend.com. You can uh, find out about it in our uh, GMC fifteen hundred uh, multi pro tailgate coverage. I will go there after the show. Yeah, you just uh, look for it. Uh, uh, I believe I wrote a piece on it, and Jason Gonderman uh, did a piece on it. So somewhere I should, buried I, I, in the I interwebs. should follow you in you, what you do. You should. Uh, you should. <laughs> it, it might. Uh, it might make it easier for you to. Um, you know, the problem is, is that I follow you personally, and I follow like all eighteen of your your digital properties. Uh-huh. But for some reason, um, they just don't get. You know how Facebook and YouTube and they all decide what they think you should be seeing yeah. so you it's don't always actually see what you want yeah to so see. it's giving me your personal content mm. ahead of your professional content yeah so i don't see as much as of your writings which by the way for for 2021 i want to start to start the year with, with paying you a, a compliment i enjoy your writing i really do i think that um, which ones your your professional writing in your oh, in, well, i mean in, just yeah. asking if there's anything recently i wrote that stood out uh I just think that in general, it's entertaining. It's not just informative, but you, well, you. you've got a, a really- Like this show. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've got me to drag it down. So on your writings, you know, on your stories, your coverage, your long-term coverage, uh, you know, the Gladiator, things like that. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. And you don't have me weighing you down like a boat anchor. Yeah, I feel much freer sometimes when I'm able to write. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, did you see that Toyota video that I recently hosted of the SEMA Stuff I did. You're talking about the white Tacoma, correct? It yeah. was uh, the Overlander. Yeah, and the uh, Toyota TRD Sport trailer. Where is that? Because I saw it because I know you. But where is that airing? I believe that's going to be on the Motor Trend YouTube channel. Okay. I also believe that's where our decked project is going to be. Oh, no kidding! And that's also, I believe, where our uh, Overland Adventure coverage videos are going to go as well. Now, wait a minute, Motor, a whole... Trend, Motor Trend's got like a gazillion if followers. If you want to uh, see videos of Sean P. Holman. You uh, will want to be there in the next uh, month or so. So this is you taking a – what's the Tacoma called again? It had a name. Uh, it was the – oh, geez. The four-wheel drive owners Tacoma Overland Adventure. But it was, was, the it longest was, it was built for a – it was purpose-built. Uh, uh, owner's Magazine put it together to be in Toyota's booth at SEMA, and then SEMA never happened. So okay. Toyota said, hey, Motor Trend, we've got these Supras, this Tacoma, and this Tacoma Overland trailer bed that we did that were going to be in our booth. Uh, we'd like you to grab some of your talent or people and host it and uh, and give us some exposure on it. And So, we so they that. couldn't get any talent, and then you yeah, and, and then they got I was you. available. Okay, yeah, gotcha. That's usually how that works. But you do a really good job of sitting in the driver's seat and making it come alive, which you did in this video. Well, thank you. So that airs when? Is it live now? Is this, our, this uh, episode it'll is be, up? It'll be this month, so it should be soon. Okay. Should be soon. So they should be following Motor Trend uh, yeah, on the, Facebook and, and YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jason Gunderman wrote a story about the most popular trucks in 2020. So I thought that might be kind of interesting to go through. Uh, he said that uh, the experts at iccars.com analyzed more than 12.9 million vehicle sales mm-hmm. in 2020. And they released a study listing the most popular vehicles overall by state and even down to metropolitan. Number five. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, metropolitan region. Mm-hmm. And the study found, unsurprisingly, that Ford's F-150 was the most popular new vehicle sold. Unmodified. Along with the most popular used vehicle sold in 2020. That's just because there are more of them. The Ford F-150 has been America's undisputed best-selling new vehicle for over 40 years, cars included. Yeah. And the popularity of pickup trucks helps to contribute to its high volume of sales, and that was uh, according to analyst Carl Brower. Would it surprise you, Holman, Mm. God's honest truth, would it stun you? Would you shake in the the boots that you stand in now Uh 
If I told vans. you my vans, your va- oh yeah, vans. I'm okay, staying in vans. If I told you, yeah, that I am currently obsessing my my the vehicle that I want today mm-hmm. as we record this okay. right now, yeah, it's a Ford F one fifty. Okay, why? Doesn't that surprise you based on all the controversy that we've had over the last year about that I truck? Yes, but why? I There's things I want to do to it that I don't want to talk about because uh-huh. one of our listeners showed me his plan uh-huh. and it is so awesome. And I, I promised that I wouldn't was talk it about a it. Road Racer Raptor? I, that was my idea. Uh, no, I just, I don't want to say any more about it because I said, you know what? It's a great idea uh-huh. and it's amazing and he's doing it and he's building his dream. Yeah. And I thought, wow. But that's not your dream though. You just like it. I, I like it and so much. And you want to rip it off. That's just the conversation I'm having with you, right? I'm being honest about it. He showed it to uh-huh. me, and I said, that's awesome. And, that, and I said, that's really cool. That's not for me. And then the more I thought mm. about it, and my neighbor has one. Mm. Uh, not my neighbor. It's a block over. But I walk the dogs, and I walk by yeah. his truck all the time. And all of a sudden, it was like the clouds parted, mm. the angels sang, the sun rays, and the let rays me of sunshine came down, and You're I saw the vision. You're talking about a not- Stock F one fifty. That's correct. Hmm. Very not stock, and and I that's and I, I don't I won't say more, but that is my current obsession. I know exactly how I want it to look. And conversation. <sighs> Are you going to pay somebody to do a rendering that you'll never? No, nope. di- no, I'm just, not. I'm not going to do it. You know why? And I'm not going to hmm. do it. And I could do it because hmm. it's almost in my price range. Hmm. But I'm not going to do it. Your price range is zero. Mm, well, it's didn't you just work on your kitchen over break? Uh. Where I'm about to do my kitchen. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw yeah. a bunch of stuff ripped off. Oh, that was the hallway. The hallway's oh. destroyed right now. Oh, my God. The hallway's and destroyed. I'm doing a roof. So yeah. I have no budget as so well. So, anyway, to, to, to the listener, you know who you are. You have an awesome idea. I'm not going to steal it. It's bitching, and I envy you for it. And I hope that I you take me for a ride. Hmm. And you should send that to me so I can see what the hell Lightning's talking about. All right, uh, back to this uh, list here. Uh, Ford's F-150 was the most popular used vehicle in 31 of the top 50 metro areas and 39 out of the 50 uh, United States. The F-150 is also the most popular new vehicle sold in 25 of the top 50 metros and 22 of 50 states. Can you guess what landed at number two on both of those lists? Number two. Uh... Oh, it's got to be a Chevy 1500. Chevy Silverado 1500 landed at number two on both lists of most popular new and used vehicles sold in 2020. In contrast, though, to the F-150, the Silverado finds itself as the most popular new vehicle in only five of the top 50 metro areas and doesn't even make the list of used vehicles. This is so, shocking. wait a minute. That means people are holding on to them. Uh, Silver- nah, not necessarily. Silverado is the most popular used vehicle in the state of New Hampshire, though. And it also topped the list of new vehicles in Iowa, Indiana, Missouri, North Carolina, and Oklahoma. Uh, number three, can you guess number three on the list? Number three. Uh, that is going to be, man, I want to say a Tacoma, but I know it's not. The quantity is just too low. So no. it's, I'm going to say, oh my gosh, give me, give me, a, give me a minute here. Um, it's not that hard. There are three truck manufacturers. What's a f- okay, well, it's, it's the Ram 1500. Also making the list of the most popular trucks with the Ram 1500 at third on the used vehicle list. And Number three. <laughs> and fifth of new vehicles sold in 2020, Toyota's Tacoma oh. found itself in the 10th place slot on the new vehicle list. Ram's 1500 was the most popular new vehicle sold in Alaska, Arizona, Michigan, and North Dakota, while the GMC Sierra was the most popular vehicle sold in Arkansas and South Dakota. And the Nissan Frontier was the most popular vehicle sold in Hawaii. 
That's weird. I wonder if there are more Nissans per capita in Hawaii. I wouldn't have guessed that. Huh. Uh, anyway, uh, Ford's F-150 has been America's best-selling vehicle for more than 40 years, and so it shouldn't come as any surprise that it again tops the list of most popular trucks. I would love to know how those trucks are optioned. Like, I'd love to know, is it the six-foot, is it the six-and-a-half-foot bed? Is it the long bed? Is it two-wheel drive? That would be fascinating to find out. I don't know. More research. Uh, if anyone listens to us in Hawaii, tell us uh why the Nissan Frontier is so beloved there. I mean, I know why I like the truck, but I'm curious. What makes it so perfect for Hawaiians? Is it the price? Is it the utility? Durability? Is it ruggedness? That, you know, I mean, it's super salty there, right? I mean, you've got the ocean air. What does that have to do with anything? I'm saying it's it's maybe that the Frontier has better uh, undercoating. I mean, I, be, I know that sounds silly, but like maybe it does. It's not something new you and I know about. It could be, you know, environmental. Could be price. That's the weirdest face I've ever seen you make. Uh, vibe, I'm just your mouth disappeared. It was just all beard. Mm. It was like yeah, a, I mm. do need to trim that. <laughs> Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I go, "Oh, what happened to my mouth?" Um, all right, last uh, thing here: uh, GM pickups, uh, seatbelt issue prompts a recall of six hundred twenty-four thousand of them. Six hundred twenty-four thousand. Six hundred twenty-four thousand affecting model year twenty nineteen to twenty one Chevrolet Silverado fifteen hundreds, GMC Sierra fifteen hundreds. And model year 20 and 21 Silverado, 25, 35, uh, 100 trucks long with the GMC Sierra. Uh, in all of these vehicles, the seatbelt bracket may not be secured to the center seat frame. And if the bracket's not secured, the seatbelt may not restrain the occupant. So if you've got one of those trucks, get it down to the dealer and uh, be safe about it. And that's what I got in truck news to start off 21. Dude, that was painful. No, no, no. That was that informative. Wasn't painful. No, it was Why? good. That's good. a wrong drop to play there. No, I thought it was uh, solid. Which yeah, should be uh, painful is the uh, five-star hotline calls we're going to listen to right now. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five-star hotline. Five-star What's up, Holman and Lightpole? That's right, Holman. <laughs> and then Lightpole. Ouch. Um, a little bit of a jingle to it. <laughs> Anyways, I was listening to episode 149 yesterday morning at about 2 o'clock in the morning when we got called into work to deal with snow in northeast Ohio. And I just so happened to be driving a brand-new 2021 F750. F750. The, uh, that's a man's truck right Baller. there. Baller. With a radio that I can connect my phone to so I can listen to YouTube bozos while I'm working. You're welcome. Anyways, I just wanted to let you know that if I have to listen to that god-awful jingle, new jingle, five-star, whatever the hell it was, one more time, I might crash my new truck into a... <laughs> into uh, a you pole. should play that right now. Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. This one? Five. Uh, yeah. Five. 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 Five stars. Right back at you, brother. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys are great. Five stars. Yeah, buddy. Keep monitoring those parameters. And uh, yeah, I think on that what one episode 149, you guys were talking about mall crawlers and you know big trucks on coilovers and all that. And I'm one of those people. So just wanted to uh, you know say thank you for calling me out and uh, <laughs> you know calling us mall crawlers and all that stuff. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. You should uh, play his favorite jingle one last time. 
Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. brother. Still can't do it. I froze. Hey, guys. My name is Chad. I'm from Michigan. As you guys can imagine, it's about to start snowing out here. And I've been watching Matt's recovery on YouTube, and I've been seeing him use the kinetic recovery ropes. And I'm interested in getting one, and I was wondering if you guys knew somebody that would know, or if you guys did know, uh, which, what matters when you're looking to purchase one of those. If you guys could give your recommendation, that would be awesome. By the way, five stars. Have a good one. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. Five, 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 five. five stars. Five stars. Right, right back, back at you, brother. brother. Oh, you got it, you got it. Do you Almost. think that uh, he jumped out of his uh, F-750 just now? No, 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 he's driving into a light pole. Oh, the light pole, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, I will work on getting our friends over at Bubba Rope uh, on the uh, on the podcast, because I think that they would be uh, a good resource for that, since they were one of the uh, companies. Did that... we not already have... I thought we had someone from Bubba Rope back in the day. No, you and I were at um, one of the shows, and we interviewed him at uh, either Off-Road yeah. Expo or somewhere. Okay, yeah, let's get them we'll, on. We'll, we'll do it again. Uh, and then uh, they're expensive, but AEV has a very, very nice, very high-quality kinetic rope. Lightning, Holman, keep up the great show. But to answer the Instagram question... Lightning, you are putting too much thought into what you put out on your personal page. I got to agree with Holman on this. Just post it. If you think it's cool and you like it, put it out there. Put some work into it. Make it look really cool. Snap that photo and then hit share. It doesn't matter what other people think. It's your page. It's your content. It's you. All right. As always, five stars. Keep up the great work. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the word of advice. I will continue just to put out schlock as I do. Hey, light bright and holy man. This is JD from. Was that light bright and holy man? Uh, I'm gonna go with it. And then it was the sound effect from uh, Simon Says. <laughs> or that. Yeah. Oklahoma. I am currently driving my 14 Chevy Silverado LTZ with the offset steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so he's uh, he's driving his Silverado LTZ with the offset steering wheel. Had probably 20 of these trucks, give or take, from 99 up, and uh, yeah, thanks for that one. <laughs> but uh, just listening to episode 153, heard uh, somebody talking about the uh, diesel kerosene and gasoline boiling points. Um, unfortunately, he's actually almost exactly backwards. Uh, I work in the oil refining industry up here, and the gasoline, diesel, and kerosene, diesel being the heavier product, actually has a higher boiling point than what uh, kerosene and gasoline do. So as a representative number, if diesel is 1,000 degrees, kerosene 750, gasoline 500, it's way less than that. I don't know the exact uh, numbers. I'm a mechanical engineer, not a chemical or process engineer, so I really don't know. Um, I work specifically in high-octane gasoline make manufacturing uh, using HF acid, which hydrofluoric acid is nasty, nasty stuff, and uh, makes really, really good gasoline for blend stocks. But uh, anyway, I really enjoyed the show. Thanks for everything. Um, going right now, actually, to pick up a Stroker 302 um, for a buddy of mine and put him back in his Mustang. Yeah, no, not a truck. But it's been great. Thanks for everything. 
and uh, look forward to hearing more from y'all in the future. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. the uh, the call. I love when our uh, listeners uh, correct uh, us, and then our listeners correct those listeners, <laughs> and then uh, everybody learns something. Uh, by the way, uh, I believe we had Bubba Rope was back in uh, episode eighty three. So uh, that was in uh, 1997 <laughs> that we think, did that. Yeah, okay. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Good. So anyway, the the number six five seven two zero five sixty one zero five six five seven two zero five sixty one zero five. The easier way to find it is to go to our at Truck Show Podcast Instagram. Go to the bio and you'll find a button that just says call. That's probably the the faster way to do it. Lightning Holman. This is Brandon from Nebraska. I'm calling from the the country roads of Nebraska. I'm a FedEx guy. I really appreciate the podcast and. Uh, I am listening to it daily and love what you guys do. Thanks. Have a good one. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Uh, Very generous. Thank you. Right on, Brandon. Appreciate that. And uh, thank you for uh, delivering all of our packages. Uh, Most of mine came on time this year. Most? (laughs) Not all? I'm waiting for one. Five stars. (laughs) Five stars. (laughs) Lightning Holman. It's your buddy Ronnie from uh, Truck Talk Media, C10 Talk. Yeah, and, miss you. Uh, I just want to a wish Lightning a belated happy birthday, you old son of a b. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, yeah, 2020 out, and uh, let's bring in the new year, 2021. Looking forward to it, and everything that you guys over at the Truck Show Podcast continue to do. Plug. Nissan and Dr. Pepper and everything else that you do to not only me, your audience, uh, but uh, you do it so so tactfully. It's so amazing. <laughs> so, yes, keep doing what you're doing. We love it. And- Why is there so much sarcasm? I do. I, it's just I, because that's all Ronnie only that's what he speaks does. In, uh, in sarcasm. Ah, he, he's uh, so good. He trades his currency, he trades in his sarcasm. And uh, that's it, man. Happy, healthy 2021. Can't wait to tune in and uh, catch up with you, uh, you guys. Lightning, you might have to. I might have to raise my voice a little bit. You're a little older, hearing aids. Holman, <laughs> come on, dude, don't come at me like that. You know, you know the deal. All right, guys, take care. Five stars all day long. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Twenty twenty one. Here we come. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five. Stars. Five. 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 Stars. Right back at you, brother. <laughs> no, you got it. Good. You started and then I know. yeah, but you, I, uh, I you found it. You found it. One. Yeah, you you found the right gear. Yeah. And the calls keep rolling in, my man. Hey, Jaboobly and Holden. Uh, you guys told me to call you back when I hit episode 144. This is Brad. I am the one who you messed with on episode 61 in the middle of November and bought a new adapter for my iPhone off of Amazon, <laughs> even though it wasn't actually broken. I feel like we should give the backstory. So <laughs> Brad here listened to the April Fool's episode. Well, Brad- And he heard a, it in, he heard on, it in like on. November. But Brad so, is a, yeah, Brad's a newer listener, and he listened to some shows, and he goes, oh, I'm going to go back and start over because I actually like these guys. So I don't know why. And then listen to April Fool's out of sequence, so- he, like many of you, um, <laughs> thought he needed some some new parts and pieces from Amazon to make his uh, phone work with his vehicle. <laughs> you said you wanted to Venmo me my nine bucks back, but uh, I don't think I need you to do that. Maybe just instead send me a shirt and then, you know, actually send the shirt. 
Huh. Mm. I don't think so. No. Uh, I am also the one with the uh, 77 F-250 dually, the uh, Mad Max slash uh, Walking Dead truck with the four AC daylighters, smiley faces on the front of it. Uh, you said you guys were going to put that up on Instagram, but I don't see it. I mean, maybe I'm blind, but what the hell? So here's what happened with that is that, uh, oftentimes we say, oh, we should do this, yeah, and, and then we, we should don't. put that we don't. I mean, we just don't. Because after we record, we go home to our lives and our wives, and, and we forget. And we forget. <laughs> That's it. We don't have- But-, uh, but we, we should have like reminders on if, our iPhones. If you look at, at Truck Show Podcast on Instagram right now, there is a 50-50 chance you may find it, <laughs> depending on if yeah. I remember to do it tomorrow. All right, Brad, thank you for your call, and thank you even more for listening. It is the Five Star Hotline, 657-205-6105. Call us anytime, 24 hours a day. You can because we won't pick it up. It's automated. Five Star. Five Star. Five Star. Hotline. Well, I guess that's a good spot to end the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, accolades coming our way, which I feel are undeserving. You would feel correctly. (laughs) All right, well, if you you send us an email, we will read it. We love getting your email. Did I just say we love skating room? I did. I you might have said it that way. Jesus. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. And he's at LBC Lightning. I'm <laughs> at Sean P. Holman. And together we are the at Truck Show Podcast. So don't forget to follow us on your uh, favorite social media. And of course, uh, leave us a message. Tell us what's on your mind. 657 205 6105 or head over to that uh, aforementioned Instagram page where you can just click the uh, call button and you can leave us a message 24 hours a day because it's automated and unless one of us forgets what that dial tone sounds like when our computer rings, we probably aren't going to pick it up. Yeah, no, that's the beauty of uh, of Gmail and yeah, but Google Voice. Have you heard it ringing and went, what is it, ran to pick it up because you think that, and then you forget? No. And then you remember? It, no, because it goes to your phone. Yeah, so that's happened because we had so many of those messages. I kept hearing this odd ringing and went, oh, my gosh, I have to answer this. And then I went, no. I went to pick it up and went, oh, that's five-star hotline. And I had to retrain myself. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these people that called on this uh, last uh, group of messages, mm-hmm. yeah, they almost all talked to me. <laughs> you know what? I, so they would have probably been happy but disturbed and it would have been it would bad for the show. Could because you imagine if I said hello? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> and that's, by the way, that happened. Remember? Yeah. Where someone called the five-star hotline and you picked up. This is yeah. probably like episode 10 or something. I don't something. know. It was right after we did the five-star hotline. Yeah. Like, and and I remember that you were, the, the, the caller was like, I didn't think you guys would pick up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's Holman answering calls. Right. Yeah. 12 o'clock, midnight, middle like of the night. The, hey, the Truck Show uh, uh, Podcast uh, Switchboard no, is uh, live right now. Call an household. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, at LBC Lighting, at Sean P. Holman, at Truck Show Podcast. And it's, I'm going to post whatever I want. I guess that's the message, right? 205-6105. All right. Now that we got all that out of the way, and we clearly have shaken off the badness, uh, we should use this part where we get really uh, good at being professionals and thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan, because uh, they have stuck with us for, uh, man, coming up on three years. Now, do you think we should call... I, uh, a Nissan dealer in Hawaii and go, what's up with the Frontier? Yeah, why do you guys sell so many Frontiers over there? Like, what's up with that? I don't know. 
I want. I'm curious. It's well, a. Let's do that. Well, it's a, one of those. Uh, so that happened or something. The issue though is that you and I record too late, so we'd be calling there at light. No, oh, wait it's a minute. Hawaii. It's early. They're the only people oh, ahead of us, so it's perfect. It does yeah. work. Or behind us, I guess. Yeah, they're behind three uh, hours. Huh. Let's do that. We'll have to figure that out. Anyway, if you're uh, in the market for a new pickup truck like a Nissan Titan or Titan XD, head on down to your local Nissan dealer or check out NissanUSA.com where you can build and price. The Nissan Titan carries the industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. You can also check out that uh, most popular in Hawaii, Nissan Frontier. <laughs> Man, they're going to- is, is that the billboard most popular in Hawaii? You know what? They're going to love what's coming. That's all I'm going to say. If Hawaiians like the current truck- Mm-hmm. They're going to really love the But it's one. a big seller everywhere, so everyone's going to love it. But, but they're going to really like it is what I'm saying, because if you want one of those. And, of course, you can't forget the uh, NV line of commercial vans or the redesigned 2021 full-size Armada. So, when, do we, uh, when do I get to borrow that? You had it for a week and a half, two weeks? No, I had it, it for like five minutes. It was like a two-day loan. It's like, hey, we're trying to get this out to as many people as possible. Uh, so Can we road trip in that thing at some point? Yeah, sure. Super just, capable off-road, right? Yeah. You just got to figure out where to go. Uh, Ransburg. One of the, no, no, no. Road, road trip is cross country, not like two hours at the road. Oh. No, if we're going somewhere, we're going somewhere. Okay. The nice thing about that is I could put you in the third row <laughs> and you will have your wireless headphones and yeah. your eight inch screens and won't even have to listen to you the whole way. I don't, I don't do that much talking when we're, when, uh, we're on a road trip. Yeah, but you put your music on and you I do, because my music is better than yours. Your music is louder than mine. It is much louder than yeah. yours. So you you're gonna, feel my music. Yeah. Yours is like... Pss, 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 you can pss, pss, hear it in your headphones is what we'll, we're going to do there. Mm. All right. Uh, coming up in the next episode, I believe, our friends over at Decked are going to finally be able to talk about the whole project we did with them. And we can talk about it. I don't buy it. Uh, me either. So let's not talk about them. No, no, we have to talk oh, about okay. it. okay. All right. So right, I've been uh, very fortunate the last uh, week or so driving around one of our trucks at work, and it has a decked system in it, and it's so freaking convenient. Uh, you and I have talked about it for so long, but when you're using it on the daily, you're like, we should talk about this more often. And then you go, oh, wait, we do. <laughs> wait, wait, we do. <laughs> so twin sliding drawers, beautifully buttery smooth, ball bearings, made Lots in Texas. Lots of Ds in there. Yeah, a lot of them. That was tough. You should was, add- uh, Phonetically uh, perfect. You should add the uh, the Ds and the, and the crosses. Uh, well, that's, that's your part. The D-box, the cross yeah. box, the uh, D-bag, and uh, the thing that's coming to complement the toolbox. Decked.com is where you'll find it all. But with all the weight you've added to your truck- by putting stuff in the deck system, you need stopping power. So what do you do for stopping power? You go to your local AutoZone and pick up Duralast brake pads or brake rotors. That's right. If you're looking for brake pads, you want to check out the Duralast brake pads, the Duralast gold brake pads, or the Duralast elite brake pads, which offer better than OE performance. You can match those to Duralast rotors or their Duralast gold rotors, which have a design that mirrors the OE physical characteristics, such as mass, configuration, and fin count, and are direct replacement for your truck. You'll find it all at DuralastParts.com. Question for you, Holman. Uh, so to celebrate the first episode of 2021, where are you and I eating tonight? Uh, I could use a chili dog about now. Uh, we haven't, uh, you know what? This is the problem. Ever since we moved studios and we moved away from Wienerschnitzel. No Wienerschnitzel around here. No. No. There's one literally half a mile from my house. That doesn't help us right now. We are going to have to do in and out. There's nothing else around here. No. No? There's a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a hike, but I can get us to a wiener schnitzel on the way home. Really? Yeah. You ready? Let's do it. Let's celebrate. Chili dogs! Chili dogs! Chili dogs! Well, that's not going to help my New Year's resolution. It was actually less chili dogs. <laughs> was it really? <laughs>
It's an awful resolution. Congratulations. You are starting 2021 by getting fatter. Good job. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like to open the show, leave a message on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. Sponsors.